Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. Here's John Canzano with a bald-faced truth. I get it. I know it. I saw it. Steph Curry, pretty damn good. Really good. Warriors are the world champs. I thought Boston would put up a better fight at home in game six. They didn't. And so it was goggles and champagne in the Warriors locker room. And Steph Curry walking off as the MVP. But can we pump the brakes a little bit on Steph Curry's one of the ten best players of all time? Steph Curry's one of the five best players of all time. Can we wait a little bit? Can we marinate on it? Can we let the dust settle? I don't think so because the world that we live in when it comes to sports is immediate and unforgiving. It's also afflicted by recency bias I mean think about it anytime we do these debates about who's the greatest athlete of all time or who's the greatest right-handed hitter of all time or what's the greatest performance of all time it's always recency bias and I think well look I I'm a big Steph Curry fan I'm a big fan of his game love his game Love the, I appreciate his game. Can we can we pump the brakes a little bit on this? He's one of the ten best of all time. And can we just sit back and wait? A, like, let's let's have this debate two years from now. Let's debate it when he's done. Certainly, uh, the kind of player that changed basketball, changed the way the game's played. But I think there's some part of the Steph Curry legacy that includes high school kids chucking it up from half court. Everybody talking about whether or not there should be a four-point play? I don't think so. Uh, I, I think uh, the three-point shot probably hurt basketball in a weird way if we really want to discuss it. A four-point play might just be enough for it to jump the shark. we got a great show for you today. We're going to be joined by Colorado Athletic Director Rick George. He will be with us in hour number one. The voice of American soccer, John Strong, Fox Sports play-by-play -play broadcaster. He's also the voice of the National Dog Show. He'll be joining us in the 5 o'clock hour. That wasn't a laugh. That was just me kind of shaking my head at the absurdity of John Strong getting his broadcast start as a young play-by-play -play broadcaster at Lake Oswego High School where he called Lake Oswego high school games that nobody listened to. Then he went off to the University of Oregon, and he called games and worked in a broadcast department where, you know, some people listened, like his parents might have been listening and a few other people's parents might have been listening. Then he got his big break. And if you don't know what John Strong's big break was, it, you're looking at it. This show, he became the Judah Newby, the Peter Sampson, the, uh, vo the other voice that was on this radio program for a... Uh, a stretch out of the gates. He was my first board operator. He was my first update anchor on this show all those years ago. He'll be joining us. He has now gone on to call World Cup games. He is the voice of soccer in America on Fox Sports. 
we will talk about the World Cup in 2026 and why in the world it skipped Portland and chose Seattle. Uh, shout out to Paul Allen's legacy. Can you shout out a legacy? Judah, can you shout out a legacy? Absolutely, you can shout out a legacy. Paul Allen, one of the top ten legacies all time. Because people say stuff like that all the time. They'll be like, shout out to, and I'm like, you know, are you really able to call a shout out? Uh, but I'm going <laughs> to shout out Paul Allen's legacy. And I'm going to uh, going to point out that, you know, Paul Allen had the foresight to put a regulation soccer field, or at least the ability to put a regulation soccer field inside of what is now, uh, what are they calling it, Lumen? Lumen. Lumen Stadium, is that it? Field. Field? Yeah. Hey, wait, why not the stadium? Lumen didn't want the stadium, they just wanted the field? I don't know if you're, they're keeping the uh, stadium sponsor rights available as well, right? You know, people yeah. do that, like Goss Stadium at Coleman Field, you know, yes. that type of thing is possible but at least it's in seattle and not you know like 40 miles north of the place where they play like the 49ers hell these sponsorship people they will sell the seat you're sitting in and sell naming rights to it <laughs> you see at stanford it's like they have the the uh you know the donors will will uh donate to become like the head coaching position has a sponsorship the offensive <sighs> coordinator has a sponsorship That's too much and in the in the end if you're the head football coach uh, and you know, at Stanford, uh, you know it's it you, it's not just David Shaw, the uh, head football coach. No, no, no. David Shaw is the Bradford M. Freeman, director of football at the at Stanford. So, shout out to uh, Bradford M. Freeman. Shout out that <laughs> legacy right there. So, what does that make you? Are you? This is John Cazzano. He is the John Cazzano host of the Bald Face Truth with John Cazzano. Yeah, but we're not that far away from people. Like, you know, there was a couple once upon a time that sold the naming rights to their child. I remember this oh, story. Gross. This was like 1999, 2000-ish. And they put it out to corporations saying, hey, you want to you wanna be able to call our kids Snickers? Like, that Snickers could, <laughs> could buy the naming rights for their kid. Could do worse. Coca-Cola? It, but I, I thought the brands did a smart thing. The brands all shied away from it because they all said this could be bad PR to have us buy the naming rights for a child, not necessarily a great thing. So, uh, you know, I, we're not that far away from going the, uh, you know, the, what is it, Lumen Field, you said? Lumen Field. All right, so uh, we're not far away from be, it being like first call heating and cooling stadium. <laughs> But it would be Lumen Field at First Call Heating and Cooling Stadium. Yeah. And then how about each section? Why not have a sponsor in each section? So it could yeah. be it could be the Gresham Ford section at Lumen Field at First Call Heating and Cooling Stadium. <laughs> and then why not narrow it down to the row? Why not just say, you know what, uh, this is going to be the reflex uh, row inside the Gresham Ford section at Lumen Field, at First Call Heating and Cooling Stadium. And in the end, that's how they get things done. But I, I, I digress. John Strong is the voice of American soccer. He'll be joining us in the 5 o'clock hour to talk about a variety of things. But Paul Allen's legacy, I mean, look, uh, you know, I'll be the first to I, – I banged on Paul Allen quite a bit when he was the owner of the Blazers. And I felt like he was distracted. His, you know, you're a billionaire, multi-billionaire. At one point, he was like the richest guy in, in uh, America – and at some point, I kind of wondered, 
you know, how committed or how focused could he be on basketball? Wouldn't this team be better off if it had an owner that was, you know, more present all the time? Like Paul Allen was living in Seattle. He was doing brain research in the Rock and Roll Museum, and he was, you know, on a submarine in Helsinki looking at, you know, octopus at the bottom of the ocean, or is it octopi, I guess, if it's more than one. But, uh, you know, I felt like he was distracted, and I felt like, you know, sometimes he uh, he lost his way as the Blazers' owner, but he did not lose his way with this field thing. I think it was really wise of Paul Allen to have the foresight to, uh, you know, not just build this NFL stadium, but to say, you know what we're going to need? We're going to need the ability to potentially plop a soccer, a regulation soccer pitch right down into the middle of the stadium so that you can have the Sounders play there or what, whatever team it was going to be at the time. And then uh, here we are all these years later, it gets a World Cup. Did Seattle getting the World Cup keep Portland from getting World Cup games? John Strong will answer that question in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, and we'll also talk about worlds of sport. I am, again, at the Oregon Convention Center, second day in a row. I will be here tomorrow. I will be here on Sunday for worlds of sport. I was talking with Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov before I went on air. We had about a 25, 30-minute conversation. We were just talking about media rights, and we're talking about all this other stuff, and he said, unsolicited, he said, what's going on with worlds of sport? Tell me about the event. So I talked to him about it. And he said, you know what, Pac-12 should be there. Like the Pac-12, Pac-12 network should be there covering this thing. So, I, you know, look, this is an event that is unprecedented. It's historic. The, there never before has Oregon and Oregon State and the Blazers and the Winterhawks and the Timbers and the Thorns and the Hops and so many other, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this with all due respect, so many other fringe sports entities or brands in our state, never before have they all been under one roof. And here, here they are in 90,000 square feet of space at the Oregon Convention Center. The Oregon Convention Center hosts 500 events a year. It has 600,000 citizens who come through here and, and see events at the Oregon Convention Center. And so Worlds of Sport will be here tomorrow. It will be here Sunday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Sunday. You can go to worldsofsport.com. I have watched some of the hardworking people who, who work in this building and put on events in this building, and they are like a pit crew running around here and, and laying out uh, tables and draping and putting down astroturf and basketball courts and, and uh, just a fantastic uh, display of sports fandom all in one place. So you're going to hear some of that on today's show. We're going to get a former MLS player with Real Salt Lake who is here showcasing a sport that you've never heard of, but you will soon see on ESPN. It's called a mega ball. We'll talk to uh, that former Real Salt Lake soccer player about it. And we will talk with uh, John Strong, and we will talk with Rick George, the athletic director at Colorado. All of that ahead. Rick George joining us in the next segment. I want you to stick around. You have the bald-faced truth statewide on the BFT Radio Network. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
Our next guest is the athletic director at Colorado, man of the world. Been involved in Major League Baseball, professional golf, college athletics. Rick George joining us from sunny Colorado. Is it sunny today in Colorado, Rick George? Well, you know, it, it has been sunny. It's been really hot. We've got the Dead & Company concert in here for the next two nights. So I'm hoping that it cools off a bit. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty sunny today. I've been talking to football coaches in the conference in the last week, and what I gathered is most of those football coaches will, in like the first week of July, they'll go away with their family. That's vacation time because then they have to really focus on getting ready for fall camp. Is there a vacation time in the athletic director world? <laughs> well, there hasn't been the last couple of years, but, uh, you know, usually uh, July is a good month for the athletic director. So I'll be taking some time off and, uh, once we get there. You uh, previously worked for the Texas Rangers. You were the COO there, and uh, I'm a big baseball guy. Uh, how much fun was that to be in Major League Baseball? Well, it was a lot of fun, you know, playing uh, in two World Series, and unfortunately we lost uh, both, but, you know, winning the American League Championship, you know, against the Yankees one year and um, and then losing – the follow, and then you losing to the Giants at home wasn't a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, we played the Cardinals in, um, uh, down to Game 7 in St. Louis and got beat. Should have won it in Game 6. We didn't. And uh, But, yeah, it was a, a great treat. We, uh, we really enjoyed that. Nolan Ryan, uh, is he still around? Was he around the franchise at the time you were there? Yeah, he, he basically oversaw the baseball side. I oversaw the business side when we were there. And, um, yeah, he's a, he's a good man. Give us an idea, because as a competitor, he had a, a, you know, obviously successful Hall of Fame career. But, you know, I often wonder about athletes at that level. Can they, can they switch it on, switch it off? Was, was he a competitor, uh, you know, in, in the boardroom? Oh, yeah, no question about it. Um, you know, he, uh, he, he wanted to win, and he was committed to it. And, you know, he he's, can be very tough and firm, but uh, he's a wonderful family guy and a, and a good guy. We've got Father's Day coming up on Sunday. Uh, tell me about your dad. Like, give me, uh, you know, a story or an anecdote that, that, you know, that you carry with you that, you know, sort of shaped who you are. Well, you know, my dad, um, you know, um, gosh, he was everything to me. Um, you know, he was a coach when I was young. And um, and then when my mom died in 2001, he moved with me when I was with the PGA Tour and, uh, and then with the Texas Rangers. And then he passed away in 2012. But he was uh, an incredible guy. He taught me a lot about hard work and discipline. He's a, he was a meat packer, and so he was on the kill floor and uh, did everything he could for our family. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from him about, you know, the value of family and the value of faith, and um, he's just uh, an awesome guy. Uh, you know, often he'll parents. I will tell you one yeah. story. I will yeah. tell you one story, though. You know, the one thing that he did, he loved Phil Mickelson, and so – um, you know, my dad would, uh, you know, he couldn't get around well, so he had one of those motorized carts. But he would, at the Players' Championship, uh, when I was on the tour, you know, he always followed Phil and had his hot dog and his cane on there in case he decided to stand up for a little bit. And uh, But he followed him, but he was an incredible sports fan. He loved the Cardinals until I indoctrinated him with the Rangers. <laughs> he died a Ranger fan. 
I love that. Um, you know, a meat packer. Help me understand that because I think there's a common theme. As I, you know, I've been talking to a few of the coaches in the conference, administrators, and you know, there's this theme of hard work. That is a tough job. That is a tough living. Your dad, uh, you know, seeing your dad come home after a day at the uh, at the plant. That must have been something. Yeah, you know, my you know my dad would go to work at four o'clock in the morning because you know they'd start on the kill floor early in the morning, and he'd get home at three o'clock, and um, then he'd sleep for a while and get up when you know around dinner time, and then you know he worked two jobs, and I, I worked um, at uh, a packing house, and he did some night work in Noblesville, Indiana, when we were there, and I would go with him every once in a while, but. Uh, yeah, he was a hard worker, but he was really disciplined, <laughs> and he was a hell of a disciplinarian on us. I mean, that belt got to my backside a lot, um, <laughs> uh, you know, for things that I did. But, uh, yeah, he was a he was a great guy, but uh, tough job and hard work was his way of getting through it. Give me an idea of, you know, sometimes we see sons who follow their their parents' footsteps. You did not. What did he think of you being an executive and being involved in sports? He loved it. Um, he, you know, he was my biggest fan, my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. Um, you know, he and he loved it because he loved being around uh, pro sports and he loved being around golf. He, that was something that he was passionate about. Uh, he was really passionate about baseball. I mean, when I was a kid, um, you know, we lived in Anderson, Indiana, and we drove to St. Louis and uh, they have a, a, a camp for youth. And my dad would take me. I saw Lou Brock. You know, when he set the uh, base stealing record, I saw uh, Bob Force when he had a no hitter. I mean, we we saw a lot, and um, you know, my dad, uh, you know, would always make sure that he he put the kids first. Rick George, Colorado Athletic Director, is our guest. Uh, Carl Durrell in the football program. How are you feeling about football right now? You know, I feel really good. I like the fact that nobody's given us a, a, a lot of credit for um, you know this season. I, I think that's a good thing, and. Um, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. I feel really good about this team. I, I really like this coaching staff. It's, uh, you know, in my opinion, the best you know coaching staff that we've had since I've been here. And um, you know, they're excited, they're energized, and uh, I think Colorado's going to have a good football season. There's something to continuity with coaching. Obviously, uh, you have you have you know some universities like Utah's a good example Kyle Whittingham he had some tough years maybe some disappointing years they stayed with him how important is it to stay the course or maybe when do you know you've been at this a long time when do you know it's time to make a change well look I I think you know um, you know when you need that change and I think Carl you know recognized that we needed to change some things around we needed to get some new energy we needed to get some new ideas in here. We need to, you know, really focus on the recruiting aspect and, um, you know, the changes that he made, um, you know, I think are, are are great for our program, and I think you're going to see the fruits of that uh, this fall. We have college athletics in a, in a really uh, interesting position, and, uh, you know, I was talking to Commissioner George Klyovkov earlier today, and he, he sort of made the comment that it's like an obstacle course. There is... There's no one right path or wrong path, but you may have to choose, or college athletics may have to choose between, you know, do we do do we chase a course of parity and subsidization, or do we uh, let the market dictate where where major college sports should go? It's really tricky. Do you have thoughts on any any of that? 
Yeah, I do. I mean, look, I, I think um, college athletics has done a lot of great things for a lot of great young men and women, and we can't lose sight of that. And that, that's the first thing that I would say. I think the second thing is, look, we're going to be competitive. I don't care if, if you know if a conference makes more money. Uh, than we do, you know, we're going to hire the right people, we're going to recruit the right student-athletes, and we're going to compete at a high level. And uh, I think, you know, there's uh, opportunity for all of us. Um, you know, we've got a, TV, a media right deal coming up, but I have a lot of confidence in George and, you know, his ability to negotiate through that. And uh, whatever it is, um, you know, we're going to be behind it. And, um you know, we're going to go to work every day and try to win not only the conference championship, but also, um, you know, have a number of teams in the CFP and in the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament. Um, you know, all those things are important to us, and we want to compete, and uh, I feel confident that uh, we'll do that. You've, uh, I've mentioned before, worked in golf and baseball and college athletics. You know, I, I think you're you're well positioned with where it's going because you've been in the professional game and you've navigated some of these things i think you can be valuable to the conference do you sort of see it that way rick is is the the sports evolving or college athletics is evolving that you feel like you know you're in a position where you've seen some of this stuff before yeah i have and and look i'm i'm really passionate about college athletics i mean i started in this industry when i first started i got out for about 15 years in the pro ranks and I'm back nine years. And I'm, I'm really passionate about, you know, our student athletes and, and being able to make them life ready. And, and look, I, I think there's a, there's reason that men's basketball and women's basketball tournaments are highly viewed because there's a multiple people having the opportunity to win. And I think we've got, we can't lose sight of that in college football. And, uh, you know, we you know, there's never going to be parity, right? in college athletics, but you can you can have consistent rules and applications to all the teams, and I think um, that will be important moving forward. Our guest, Rick George, Colorado Athletic Director. Uh, Ted Boyle in men's basketball, uh, you guys, you know, have had some success there and and enjoyed some success. What What's, you know, we always talk about men's basketball and football is what keeps the athletic department afloat. What other things are you focused on as an AD when it comes to success of your department? Well, look, I mean, the success of our department, first and foremost, is, you know, creating a world-class experience for our student-athletes, helping them get an incredible educational education, a meaningful degree, putting programmatic needs around them, things that they need like mental health and nutrition and, you know, career and leadership and all those things that are important to their long-term success. I mean, that's a that's a priority for us at, at Colorado and that's what we're going to be focused on. But at the same time, we need to win. And right now we're not winning enough. We need to win more and uh, on the playing surface. And that's going to come uh, because I think we've done the right things in the right order with, you know, building some facilities. We've got great programs in place for our student athletes. Now, now we got to go win. And certainly the NIL and the transfer landscape is, kind of changed that a little bit, you know, because there's a lot of other things you got to pay attention to. But, you know, Colorado, we're going to do it the right way. Rick George, uh, have a great weekend. I appreciate you joining us. And are you going to the concert? I am not. <laughs> I can listen to it from my patio, and I think I'll stay here. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I saw uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater.
I saw a yep. picture. Somebody on Instagram who's living their best life posted a picture of the Red, Red Rocks Amphitheater. It looked magnificent. Have you ever been there? I have. Yeah, it's a great place. Got to hold some. Uh, Got to hold some co- concerts there. Some get your uh, get your football team in there and hold the State of the Union for the athletic department in that amphitheater. It'd be phenomenal. Well, yeah, I'd do that, but I'd rather have them in our stadium. Uh, you know, these concerts where I can make some money. <laughs> there you go, Rick George. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. All right, John. Happy Father's Day to all fathers out there. Thanks. There you go. There he is. His father on the kill floor of the meat packing plant i'm telling you i i got this okay i'm gonna let you in on a secret because you're here and you're a listener i'm working on this father's day piece that will run at johnconzano.com i have talked to 20 high profile athletic directors coaches um commissioner kleofkoff 20 high profile pac-12 personalities i've asked them that same question that I just asked Rick George. And the responses are astounding. None, almost none, I I don't want to say none, almost none of the people that I talked with had a father who worked a white-collar job. All blue-collar. All from the world, not necessarily the kill floor of the meat plant, but it's really interesting to me. Uh, it'll run on Sunday at johnconzano.com. I think it's going to be a fabulous read. But I, I talked to Bobby Hurley at Arizona State. I talked to Kleovkov. I talked to uh, Jake Dickert, the Washington State football coach, Dan Lanning at Oregon, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, Scott Barnes, the AD at Oregon State, Michael Schill, the president at the University of Oregon, I, uh, Pat Chun, the Washington State AD. I am... Uh, Really interested in sort of the family of origin, especially the fatherhood stories for some of the high-profile, prominent Pac-12 conference personalities. You'll see them all in one place on Sunday. It's fascinating. And Rick George and his father, I mean, that's that, that just, it sings to me. There's something about the work ethic that I think causes the children of the blue-collar, salt-of-the-earth, hard-working individuals out there who have children, their kids, that and maybe it is as simple as you got parents who wanted a better life and more opportunities, and so they worked their ass off for their kids. Uh, Rick George's story fits right in there. I, I am, I'm not surprised. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a former MLS player who is at the forefront of a new sport. He's at Worlds of Sport today. Leave it here. you got the bald-faced truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I'm smack in the middle of the Oregon Convention Center, 90,000 square feet. Worlds of Sport is happening here Saturday and Sunday. If you're in Eugene or Woodburn or Roseburg or Klamath Falls or certainly in the Portland metropolitan area in southern Washington, you should get yourself to the Oregon Convention Center this weekend. 
can grab your tickets now and avoid lines by going to worldsofsport.com. Promo code PDX22 if you want a discount. Uh, I mentioned before you got the uh, Blazers, the Beavers, the Ducks, the Thorns, the Winterhawks, the Hops. Uh, you know, everybody. Everybody's here under one roof. Also, you have a former Real Salt Lake soccer player who's got a really interesting sport that I know nothing about. I know jack about this sport. Ricky Lopez Espin is here, formerly with Real Salt Lake, does a little broadcasting, does some uh, commentating uh, for the MLS and other things. He is, you just got here from Miami? Like you just flew, flew in from Miami, yeah. Then just dropped my bags off and <laughs> came over here. I love that. <laughs> flew in from Miami. Uh, we'll get to a mega ball in a second because I need to know what it's about. But give us the experience. Like you went to Creighton, like from mm-hmm. Miami to Creighton, like Omaha. Yeah. Miami <laughs> to Omaha is a little bit of a shock. Well, I went. I went to high school in Minnesota, actually. Okay. So I got recruited there. Spent five years at a soccer boarding school called Chattuck St. Mary's, yeah. and then ended up going to Creighton, which is obviously a big, big difference in Miami, and then. And then getting drafted to Real Salt Lake, yeah. so I've been all over the Midwest and the West Coast as well. And but East Coast is home. My how, home. How did you get in a soccer boarding school? Like, tell us about that. Yeah, I was just I was just playing. I was we were playing. I think with the Olympic development team. We got an email after saying, "Hey, we want you to come up to Minnesota." I think I was 12 at the time. Wow. And I was like, I don't even know where Minnesota is. Right. Um. Checked it out. Went up to Minnesota with my family. First time ever seeing snow. <laughs> yeah. And fell in love with it. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to just focus on school. I want to focus on soccer. And the rest is history. How did your uh, so you're that's pretty young. Like, oh, yeah. how did your parents feel about you at that age oh, going I, away? To my parents, I'm an only child as well. So it was yeah. really tough, especially for my mom. But she understood the sacrifice that I wanted to be a professional soccer player, and yeah. I needed to make that sacrifice to get out of Miami to really focus on my craft and. It, it was the best decision of my life. And then you do end up. You, uh, what's that like to you know to have that dream and then to walk out onto a field oh, as a player in uniform? And... You, you you can't. You have to experience it. You can't describe yeah. it. Obviously, that hard work. I know the first time I made my debut was in Vancouver, Washington, yeah. uh, or Vancouver, yeah. Canada, and my parents. I mean, crying. I was. Yeah. It was just all the hard work that comes and that dream becomes reality. Just something you, you have to experience. It, it was unbelievable. You walk out there and then you got to play a game. And then you got to play a game, <laughs> right? right? And like, then you're like, oh, okay. Now glassy now. eyes. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. National anthem, all that, <laughs> and then you got to play. Uh, was it the right move to go to the boarding school? I like, think so, 100%. Yeah. There was guys that, especially in Miami, where everyone knows Miami's all about, really. Yeah. The lights, the glamour, the yeah. all the distractions that were better than I was, but. I took that path. They took another path, and I, I just can't think that's cool enough. Shag St. Mary's. Yeah, and then you end up at Creighton, and Creighton's got a like a really interesting story. Like people always think of Omaha, and they think of Warren Buffett, and mm-hmm. they think of College <laughs> World Series, but uh, Creighton's got you know great basketball team, great baseball that's mm-hmm. there. Uh, what was it like to play soccer there? It was. I mean, it was. Unbelievable. Obviously, Elmar Bolovich was the coach, Johnny Torres. When I committed, I think we, they were number three in the country. Mm. Um, ended up going to a couple of Elite Eights, Sweet 16. So we were, we were very good. We had a tremendous fan support. I think we'd get probably five to 6,000 a game. Yeah. The soccer stadium at Morrison Stadium is unbelievable. Um, and I... I loved it. I loved every single moment of Omaha. Didn't think yeah. I didn't think I would, but uh, yeah. it was such a blessing. It, when you talk about MLS, I mean, obviously this is Soccer City here, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know the Thorns draw twenty thousand plus, and the Timbers. Obviously, it's a crazy crowd. But what's the perception of Portland like from the outside when you're playing at Real Salt mm-hmm. Lake and you think of the Timbers? Like, what kind of feeling or thought comes to mind? 
No, it's a scary place to play. Obviously, yeah. Providence Park, you see, like you said, just the numbers that they bring. Everyone breeds soccer. They yeah. love soccer here. It's a soccer city. Um, so you're coming here. It's a little intimidating, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I mean, so you walk out and you see the lights, the fans, the numbers, the chanting. It, it, it's unbelievable. So it's an intimidating place to come play. Our guest, Ricky Lopez Espin, who is uh, formerly with Real Salt Lake. He's doing some broadcasting now. How do you like that? You're good on air. You got a good voice. Thank You're comfortable. You. Like you know, <laughs> Thank you. this is not your first broadcast. I can tell. <laughs> What's that been like for you? It's it's really seen the game from a different lens. To be yeah. honest, obviously, I'm talking about guys that I've played with, played against. So yeah. I'm I'm sitting in a studio instead. Um, but it's mm. been amazing. I, I love it. I, I'm staying around the game. I don't have the patience to be a coach. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the second best thing I would say. Um, yeah. And I, I, I've really I've really taken it and trying to learn as much as I can. So I can't say enough about it. Help us understand what we don't know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, fringe soccer fans who may, they know who Real Salt Lake is, or maybe they know the star players of the league. What don't we understand about MLS? Well, first of all, the travel. It's how big the country is. I mean, for me, from flying from Miami here to Portland, yeah. it took I flew in what 6 a.m. Miami. That's 3 a.m. here. Yeah. I landed at 12 1. That's a, I mean what? Yeah. Nine hours of travel right yeah, there. It's a day. And just, yeah. And just with the effects that comes with travels, obviously you have to get all the lactic acid out of your body, get it accustomed to time, and it's just very different. And it's a lot to deal with. And when you have three games in a week and you're traveling, yeah. you're away from your family. You have you don't you're away from your routine. So it's a grind. It's a very grind. And I think people don't understand that. They see oh you go on the field. You have a good lifestyle, yeah. you have all this, but no, it's just a lot of stuff behind the scenes that goes on. And we also, I, I think, you know, there are some star players in the league mm-hmm. who, who are really getting paid. Of course. But then there are some rank-and-file players who, who, you know, I was surprised. Like, when you know, years ago when they, when they started talking about what the players were yeah. making, I was like, gosh, like, yeah. the league, the owners are doing really well. Like, <laughs> exactly, you yeah. Know, uh, how do the players feel about that, the pay in the league? It's... Obviously, it's it's a big discrepancy when you have the guys that are making top dollar and you have a rookie guy coming yeah. in and I think he was making seventy thousand dollars. It, yeah. It's just it's it's crazy to think about a professional athlete yeah. making seventy thousand um, yeah. dollars, which is obviously a good living. Right. Right? Yeah. But um, it, it's but it's not uh, like it's motivating the, as well. Yeah. But it's also kind of oh, like I, I I need to get more. I, I don't. I'm not getting paid as much as I deserve. But yeah. To be to be honest, the growth of the league has been unbelievable. I mean, yeah. now you see, I think the average salary is about 300k in the uh-huh. MLS, which okay. is, I mean, a lot better where it was right. than before. So it's uh, it's it's moving up, and obviously with just getting the birth of the World Cup here in 2026, which is going to be unbelievable. Yeah, uh, World Cup games uh, coming to Seattle, coming to mm-hmm. Vancouver, BC. Um, I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch that. You are here at Worlds of Sport. From Miami, and you are talking a mega ball here. Mega you have ball. a you have a booth set up. <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, I noticed a mega ball when the planning of this event was going on. I looked and I was like, "What is that?" And they were like, three teams play at once." And I was like, "How is that possible?" Then I was like, "That sounds like a game invented like in some neighborhood." Yeah. Like <laughs> exactly, you know, like, yeah. like let's make up the rules. Tell us about a mega ball. Yeah, so I got brought to it. Um, Anthony Dittman, who was a founder, he was like, hey, we want you to come out. We want you to play in it. And I was like, look, I retired. I'm done. He goes, no, you'll do some media stuff. And I was like, okay. Um, it's 175 feet diameter. Um, just expand the center circle of a yeah. soccer field. And you have three teams, five players on each team. And it's all, all at once. Obviously, it's a lot of action, a lot yeah. of goals. Um, 
it's very strategic. I didn't think it was going to be, um, but it's just so much chaos, just the yeah. angles that you move. You're playing right. against essentially 10 other guys, so it's a, in a small, confined space. And it's a circle that it's, it's, it's played circle, in. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like... It's this giant circle, and mm -hmm. then give me an idea how it works in the middle, because I walked over to your booth, and I was like, one goal, right? And you're like, no, three goals. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. It, it's strategic in the way that you can go towards, let's say you're going towards goal B. Yeah. You turn around, you go back towards goal C. It's just very strategic, and you're spacing as well. Does it matter so, what goal you score? No, you can score in any single goal. Do you get the same points, same points for each goal? Same points. Do you have teams that will gang up on yeah. the other team? Yeah, if you, yeah. If, you, if, you, if you want to do that, you, obviously yeah. there's different ways to play. If you <laughs> have an alliance during the game, that, that's a like way survivor, to go. It's like Survivor, man. Exactly. So it's it's really interesting. It's it's so fun to play as a player. Um, yeah. I mean, as a, soccer, as a soccer player, you want to see goals, you want to see action, and Omega Ball has tons of it. We're, nonstop. We're talking to Ricky Lopez Espin. He is here at Worlds of Sport, former MLS player, talking about Omega Ball. Uh, for people who are going to be here, I, I noticed you have like some video demonstrations mm -hmm. and stuff so people can actually see it. Mm -hmm. Also, though, it looks like it's coming to ESPN. ESPN 2. ESPN 2. What are they going to do? Are they going to broadcast? August 5th. Yeah, there's a, in South Carolina, there's going to be an event again. And, uh yeah, it's going to be on ESPN too. It's super exciting. Are you going to be on the call? Or are you I'll be on be the on, call, yeah. You'll be broadcasting. Oh, no more flying for me. I'll be, I'll be broadcasting, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I would think, like, with that kind of, like, in that confined space, you could play older, like, mm -hmm. longer. Yeah. Skills being, it's, is it better to be have skills versus maybe speed? You know, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're talking about speed, you're talking about quickness, right? Since yeah. it's, like, super confined, really, you have to be really quick in your movements and just the way that the spacing that you take up, obviously in soccer, you have a lot more space than Omega Ball. It's, you have to turn and shoot. You can't really think because yeah. you have two teams coming at you, essentially, yeah. 10 guys from all different types of angles. No goalie, though. No, you have a goalie. There is a goalie. Yeah, and he can score as well. <laughs> yeah, so it's a so goalie anyway, and four guys on the field. So how does that work when there's three goals you could score on any goal? Like, your goalie just gets out of the way if you're taking no, no, the you're shot? No, no, you're not scoring on your goal. Yeah. So you're defending one oh, goal and okay. scoring on two goals. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that is designated before. So yeah. you have two goals available to you. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is like, do we know the origin of the game? Like how it was invented? Was it a drill they were doing or something? Well, I mean, I was when I was talking to Anthony as well, um, this is something you do in training. I knew when I was at RSL, when I was in college and I was in academy, you always have two teams attacking one team defending it's mm. how you work on your defensive positioning whatever it may be yeah and this is just it highlighted right it's obviously fantastic. it's uh it's just magnified it and yeah. it's it's it really you're able to learn a lot um as a training mechanism as well we are uh, at worlds of sport at the oregon convention center ricky lopez espin is our guest he will be here if you want to come talk to him at the omega ball booth over the weekend he will be here saturday and sunday um and you know you get you've probably looked around the room here. You see all the brands, mm -hmm. everything that's set up. The Blazers. I noticed you were shooting baskets <laughs> in the Blazers basketball yep. court earlier. Um, give me an idea. Can you describe to people kind of what you've seen walking around here? Well, first of all, it's very attractive, right? You have your eyes are going all over the place. You look here. You have, I mean, the Portland Timbers, the Portland Trailblazers, the Ducks, the Beavers, Beavers, yeah. everything. You have every. I mean, it's as a, as a sport fan, this yeah. is where you want to be. Yeah. Obviously, you're. you're looking around you're seeing different types of sports obviously name brands um and it's it's really clean really organized as well yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know what to expect when i was walking in here but i'm very surprised and 
It's going to be an awesome event. Yeah, it's this is no rinky-dink show. No, no, like, I don't. It's, it's interesting to me to kind of see, and I'm glad you're here for it because I think there's a segment of the audience that will be fascinated to go, what is this? And mm -hmm. So you've got a giant video display over there where people can actually watch it being played, mm -hmm. and you're going to talk about it. So are you just here kind of promoting the sport, or is there like an Omega Ball League that's going to pop up yeah, here? Yeah, so or? essentially in 2023 there will be a professional league. Um, oh, wow. That's the hopes for it, um, and it will be probably a, a Six-week, six-game professional league, maybe in the fall, in the winter, um, and and we'll see what we'll see what happens. But uh, it's really yeah. exciting. Obviously, the next step is August fifth, ESPN two. I love that. All right, <laughs> uh, good luck with you on the broadcast. I appreciate it. You're Thank made you. for it, man. And then the Omega Ball, and I'm sure your parents are happy to have you home in Miami. Oh yeah, you know? it's, it's, uh, <laughs> but. I, I'll tell you what, coming into Portland, it's yeah. so green, it's so pretty, yeah. I, I, uh, and it's really nice to change the weather. Obviously, yeah. Miami, it's extremely hot, so I have yeah. a nice little sweater on and enjoying it. You know what? The, there's going to be a DJ here that will be playing during the event, okay. so it's going to be very festive. Obviously, there's a beer garden over there, but uh, the DJ is also from Miami. Really? You may know the DJ. Oh. I, I'm, I'm, to... I think... I might get this wrong. I think his name is DJ Sabotage. Sabotage. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm more of a face-to-face -face person, yeah. not, not out You're... by name. So we'll see. <laughs> if I go up and I recognize him, be like, oh, okay, I'm Miamian. Very <laughs> Miami flavor here at the Oregon <laughs> Convention Center. All right, uh, Ricky, thanks for joining yeah, us. Thank you for Come having me. Come check out Omega Ball. Come check out, uh, obviously, there's an obstacle course. Uh, I was throwing the, uh, the Portland Diamond Project has a radar gun set up. You can go throw your fastball and see what kind of speed you can get blazers have a court set up the timbers and thorns are going to be doing a skills uh demonstration uh ricky may get in the middle of that and they may re-sign them who knows uh you can kick a field goal you can do a whole bunch of thing here here at the oregon convention center worldsofsport.com check out omega ball over the weekend too ricky thank you yeah thank you for having me leave it here get the bft Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Worlds of sport going on this weekend, Father's Day weekend. Give your dad a gift that he will actually like. Get him a ticket to Worlds of Sport. Go to worldsofsport.com. Or better yet, why don't you do this? I have a four-pack of tickets for the Worlds of Sport event, courtesy of Dutch Bros. We'll go to caller 3 at 503-417-7575. It's weekend passes, so you can come both days. Sports memorabilia dealers are setting up right now all the sports cards and memorabilia, pennants, helmets. There's a grading company. PWCC is here. Uh, it, it'll be really cool over the weekend. I encourage you to check it out, worldsofsport.com. Or call her three at 503-417-7575. That's the phone number. Warriors won the world championship in the NBA last night. I got to say this. Bill Shonley, who is the mayor of Rip City, is on record. He would like to see another championship in his lifetime. He's in his 90s now. Sean's, uh, we all know, had a, uh, you know, he had a hospitalization not too long ago. Uh, you know, he uh, had uh, tested uh, positive for for COVID, and uh, he was, you know, they were being careful with him. They were taking precautions, of course. But uh, Bill Shonley, uh, the Blazers are going to get it together. Need to need to hurry. That's what Sean likes to say. I I think you and I would like a championship in our lifetime as well. For for those of us who have followed the Blazers, 
been around the Blazers. I think the 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 business side of the Blazers, uh, formerly run by Chris McGowan, who was the team president, and uh, now run by Dwayne Hankins, who was his right hand lieutenant and is now the team president. I think the business side is is clearly pointed in the right direction. It's always been the basketball operations side that we have to worry about. And it was really interesting. I have a friend of mine who's a big Warriors fan, and he tweeted out, a, he retweeted a tweet last night as the Warriors won. And the tweet was from 2009. And it was Steph Curry at the end of a season in which the Warriors were eliminated, uh, vowing to fans that they would fix the problem. And it's interesting to me, like, when you look at the Warriors and how they were constructed, like, it's it's not luck, okay? It's not. The champions are never lucky. Everybody always likes to say, well, you need a little luck. Yeah, you do need a little luck. And I think we all find a little luck and a little bad luck on our, on our our uh, in our day. But if you look at how the Warriors were constructed, from Draymond Green to Steph Curry to Klay Thompson – when you look at you know some of the role players, you know, Jordan Poole, and you you look at Looney, and you, this is a team that's built through the draft. This is a team that has just simply drafted well, and done a really nice job with their basketball operations side. And I keep thinking about that as I as I look at the Blazers of the last few years, and I look at the history of this franchise. Oh, they didn't take Michael Jordan because they had, you know, they had Jim Paxson, they had Clyde Drexler, they, you know, they they didn't draft, you know, they took Greg Oden because they needed a big man, and and look, you can forgive them for making mistakes in the draft. All teams do that, but you have a draft approaching that will contain players that will help somebody win. There's an all-star sitting somewhere in this draft who will be picked somewhere below where the Blazers are drafting. Be su- be sure of that. It happens every year. We look at the drafts and we go, well, if we redrafted this draft, where would Steph Curry be picked? You know, where would Damian Lillard be picked? Where would Draymond Green be picked? Where would Clay Thompson be picked if you redrafted all those drafts? So there will be a there will be a all-star player available when the Blazers are on the clock. Draft well. Don't get sucked into like the payday loan you know, uh, mentality that infects losing franchises. They go, well, there's not going to be anybody there that can help us immediately, so we trade the pick for some journeyman player who doesn't really fit either. You got the bald-faced truth. Coming up in hour number two, we're going to let it rip on this show. You got the BFT statewide. BFT. Here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth. Well, I'm broadcasting on remote broadcast. Yesterday's show, it was interesting. A lot of you may have been listening. I don't know if you listen every day. I don't know if you just listen on Fridays. I don't know. I like to think that you're here. I like to meet you in public. I like when people come up to me at places and they go, hey, I I don't mean to bother you, but I listen to the show. No, please bother me. I like to see that you're living, breathing, normal, functional human beings. You know, especially when I meet people and I go, hey, 
This person, uh, this person looks like, uh, you know, they got their stuff together. It makes me feel good about the audience out there. Otherwise, I'm just a crazy person talking to myself all day. But I had somebody yesterday uh, who reached out to me and said, I hear a crackling on the show. A friend of mine. He happened to be listening to the show. And he says, hey, uh, I, I hear a crackling on the show. And I was like, crackling? What are you talking about? No crackling. I don't hear a crackling. And he says, no, 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 no. I can, I can tell that you're on remote broadcast. There's a crackling. So I, I got in Judah Newby's ear, and I said, do you hear a crackling? Because my natural thought was I'm broadcasting at the Oregon Convention Center. Maybe, maybe there's some interference here that I had not anticipated, whatnot. And Judah said, no, I don't hear any crackling. Your broadcast sounds clean. And in fact, he said, you sound really good. Well, I checked the equipment. Like, I'm no engineer. But I, I can I can figure out the equipment. I checked the equipment, and I, I looked to see, like, you know, what is our speed? Because we're connected to this super high-speed Internet, and the speeds look good. Uh, you know, I double-checked with Judah. I even reset the equipment on a commercial break because, you know, my friend who was listening in his car insisted that he heard a crackling. Now, if you were listening on yesterday's show, you may have also noticed a little crackling. Was it distracting? I don't know. Maybe you didn't notice. Maybe you thought it was your radio. But apparently there was some issue with one of the satellite towers in the area, and there was a crackling. So I got a hold of the engineer in hour three of the show, our main engineer, who is like, you know, he could land, he could land this show on the moon. That's how good Thor is. And I got a hold of Thor, and I said, hey, my friend is reporting a crackling. We're not hearing it on the broadcast. Can you check it out? Well, I didn't know he could do this. He switched the tower that the show transmits through. So it went through a different tower, and apparently that solved the crackling issue. So if you ever hear any crackling or any problem, like I don't want to hear from you if like you're in a car wash and you're saying, I can't get good reception in the car wash, or I'm not getting great reception inside this garage building. It's the car wash or it's the garage building. But if you are like driving around and you're like, you know, Gonzano's just got a little crackling going on. Give me that feedback. Because I think some of you were being polite. Or maybe some of you were just going, hey, it's my, it's my own radio. But it turned out it was the, it was the satellite tower that, that uh, was transmitting the show. Because apparently my voice goes to the, through the system, to the tower, to a satellite, then to you which is a hell of a journey if you think about it. I don't even know how that works. But it's uh, apparently when they switched the tower, it solved the problem. So I should, you should be hearing me clear as day. Now, we used to do a thing where I used to get some older listeners who would tell me, I can't get you on my radio. And I would literally troubleshoot with them one by one what the issue was. And a couple times it was their car stereo was just old. And But I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm going to give you credit. I think you can figure that stuff out. But if you ever hear something and it's bothering you like that, don't be afraid to tweet at me. Don't be afraid to send a message. Don't be afraid to call the back line and be like, hey, whoever picks up the phone, I'm hearing a crackling. And let us know what's going on. But I appreciate the uh, people who noticed, and I appreciate the engineer who fixed it because you should be hearing me in high definition. In fact, we should have that in the open. In HD.
and we transmit the show. Uh, we have a great hour of radio here for you. We're going to play some Punch It audio coming up. Anna will join the show momentarily. Also, in Hour 3, John Strong, the voice of American soccer, will be joining us to talk about the World Cup and the dog show. It's true. John Strong is the voice of the dog show on NBC. So you're going to be hearing, or is it on NBC or Fox? I don't even know. But he's the voice of the dog show. So when you tune into that national dog show, it'll be John Strong calling the national dog show. And I assume... He's going to do it just as he would broadcast soccer matches. I think that's the only way to do it. And i I got to be honest with you. Like when John Strong makes a call in soccer, when he is calling like a Darlington Nagby goal, um, it's uh, back in the day when Nagby was, uh, was uh, with the uh, Timbers. Nielsen is up. Only a punch. It falls for Darlington Nagby. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. And the Timbers are right back in it. You see what I mean? That's that's the guy who was sitting in Judah Newby's seat as the update anchor and the board operator calling that call. John Strong calling the dog show. I want that kind of enthusiasm from him when, you know, like the uh, the uh, Newfoundland comes out wagging its tail and drooling all over the dog show. I want that level of enthusiasm from him when the handlers are jogging around in that quirky little jog they do as part of the dog show. I want, like, World Cup-level play-by-play on the dog show. Is it asking too much to get that from John Strong? Well, we'll talk about that with John Strong coming up in hour number three. In the meantime, I would love to play some Punch It audio. I am not sure uh, if uh, you're hearing crack. Are you hearing crackling today, Judah? I'm not hearing anything. It, it's It's crystal clear today. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, I, I was uh, talking to some folks as you were, uh, you know, giving your anecdote about the crackling yeah. from yesterday, and we did get that sorted out, as I'm sure you uh, resolved to. Yeah. Uh, give me five seconds, and I'll tell you if it's uh, happening over the air or not. Really? Yeah. You can, you can, how do you do that? What, what, do you run out to your car and get in the car and listen, or what do you do? That's exactly right. Yep. I bust ass. <laughs> High tech, man. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do around here. <laughs> no, honestly, tell our listeners how you do that because I want to know. I want to know how you can. How do you hear the broadcast if you're talking to me? So there is a button on our board. We got this beautiful, vast board, uh, this Axia board, in studio where it, uh, you know it's master control for a reason. One of those buttons is the external feed, and by the external feed, we mean the feed that is delayed by 10 seconds per FCC regulations. It's the over-the-air feed that you hear in your car or that you hear on your terrestrial radio mm. of any kind. So that, you know, when it came to yesterday, everything sounded so clean on my end, so clean on your end. Yeah. Our online stream was super clean. It was So that told me everything was fine locally, but ended up being uh, something with our transmitter, our T1 is what they call Interesting. it. Yeah, but it's all fixed now. That is fascinating. Yeah, but thanks okay. for letting me know because, uh, you know, then I had to figure it out. Well, I had a friend, and I and I I honestly thought my friend was just like it was him, like he was the problem. Yeah. But it but it turned out that it was not him; it was actually us. Yeah, we he were was the not problem. the problem. Correct. We yeah. were the problem. The tower was the problem, but yeah, it's, we were the problem. But it was was it the tower or was it us? It was uh, um, because I kind of feel like that's us a, making excuses. Yeah, when, I mean, look, when we say that, it's, it's what us. You say. It's not an excuse, but it's a factor. You know what I mean? The injury, we can't blame it on the injuries, but we got injured. I mean, what? But, if, but it's us. Like in the end, the bro- like it's me. 
I take responsibility. Because okay, in, the, you did it. Yeah, in the in sure. the end, if the broadcast isn't crystal clear, it's us that has to fix it. Like that's yeah. on us. Yes, that's it's on, on us. It's completely on us. My that's bad. True. Yeah. My Which, bad. by the way, if you are in uh, Eugene or K Falls or uh, Douglas County, you probably were just fine. I think it was just. Oh, a thing, so it was I mean? only the Portland listeners who that, were getting that. I believe that would be the case if it was uh, the Portland Tower that Portland. Uh, reared its ugly head. Yeah, Dema- Damascus, to be clear, is uh, out there in Damascus where the okay, tower's Okay, so the, the tower's in Damascus? Correct. Oh, then that's a Damascus problem. Yeah. That's not me. I, that's I was trying to get there. 100%. Exactly. You can't 100%. take on Damascus's problems. Who knows what Damascus Oof. has been doing. Oof. Okay, I want to play some Punch It audio. Anna will join us. Let's do the Punch It first. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Jim Rome on the Jim Rome Show, reacting to Steph Curry and the Warriors winning an NBA championship. Punch it. You should remember this. Greatest of all time rankings in any sport is lame. It's just lame. It's lazy. This is what people do. But that said, because this is what people do, know this. Steph Curry is top ten. Top 10 all time. Fact. And he's not number 10 either. He's well into that top 10. And he's not done. And he has a chance to keep on climbing. Jim Rome just basically said, don't do this. And then he did that. I'm sorry. I don't put him. Look, I I think we need more time. And let's let the guy finish his career before we can judge top 10 or not. Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, Tim Duncan, Larry Bird, Magic, Dirk Nowitzki, come on. Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, come on. I, I put Steph Curry in a category that has nothing to do with ranking top 10 or not. He is a player who changed the game. There have been players who have changed the game before. We've talked about Shaq and how physical he was and how hard it was for NBA officials to officiate him. We've talked about Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell and the championships that were won and how the game changed. And Steph Curry gave six-foot kids all over America, all over the world, an idea of how you could be the best or among the best players who have ever played. But I'm not ready to go, you know what, he's a top ten player and it's not close like he said, Jim Rome, ranking players like that is kind of dumb. Moving on. Rory McElroy. He ended up smashing the sand with his club at number five in the U.S. Open. Here's Rory talking about getting off to a good start and then maybe not. Yeah, it does. I mean, you feel like you're right in the tournament from the start of the week, which is which is nice. Um you know, I'm 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 going into tomorrow with the mindset of of let's keep it going rather than you know where's the cut line or whatever. You know, if you don't get off to a great start, those thoughts start to creep in. Okay, what I need to do just to be here for the weekend. So it's certainly a different mindset when you get off to a good start. And um, yeah, I just got to keep it going. Rory McIlroy off to a good start. Phil Mickelson not. He's out of contention at the U.S. Open and he's missed the cut. 
in his first major since joining that other tour. Mickelson's 11 over did not qualify him. The top 60 advanced to play on Saturday. First home run ever in the big leagues for Adley Rutschman. Oregon State's former Oregon State catcher now with the Baltimore Orioles hit a 411-foot home run against the Blue Jays. Punch it. Rutschman bounced back to the pitcher's first time up. Driven this one out to deep center field. Springer is headed back, and Adley Rutschman has got his first major league home run. His first big league homer, his first two big league RBIs. He gets it against Barrios, and he gets the Orioles on the board. How does that feel? <laughs> Finally gets to wear the chain. And a big hug from Trey Mancini. Well, he'd been waiting for it. And Adler Rutschman, that's what he'll remember. Dead center against a very good pitcher in Jose Barrios. First of many to come, likely, for Adley Rutschman. Easy guy to root for. If you've seen him grow up in this state, play football and baseball, Sherwood High School, Adley Rutschman on his way in the big leagues. Really easy guy to root for. Stephen A. Smith talking about Kevin Durant. Says the criticism of Durant is unfair. Punch it. So when I came on the air months ago and I said, quote, if Steph Curry wins this year because of the distractions that Kyrie Irving has caused, a Kyrie Irving that has missed more than 50% of his games in Brooklyn, a Kyrie Irving that has missed 41% of his games in the last five years, injuries, vaccine mandates, two-week hiatuses, and all of this other stuff, that Kyrie Irving, because of the class, the professionalism, and the extraordinary talents that Steph Curry puts forth on display. Kevin Durant, with all his greatness, is going to be talked about as the guy who left Steph Curry for Kyrie Irving rather than the guy that we know to be one of the greatest players this game has ever seen who's a two-time champion and a two-time NBA, NBA Finals MVP. I did not say he would deserve that. I said it's coming. No, it's not just coming. It's already happening. I think, you know, when we talk about star players in the NBA, there is something that happens, I think, among the fans, among me and other media members included, when you see players who leave markets chasing championships, we all say they got to do what's best for them, we got to do what's best for their family, but in the end, I think when we talk about Kevin Durant's legacy, if it finishes this way, it's going to be Kevin Durant, who went to Golden State, and a sensational player, one of the best players in NBA history. But I think we would talk about Kevin Durant much differently had he stayed in Oklahoma City or even stayed in Golden State and won multiple championships. I think the same thing plagued LeBron James to some extent when he left Cleveland. He went to Miami. He went back to Cleveland. Then he went to the Lakers. I just think there's an alienation. I'm not going to call it a betrayal because I think we all understand the era I don't blame players for chasing money or championships, but it's a reality. I, I don't think his legacy is the same. That's Punch It Audio. Anna's popping into the studio next. John Strong, the voice of American soccer, coming up in hour number three.
You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I'm at the Oregon Convention Center. I should say we are at the Oregon Convention Center because there's three of us here now. Judah Newby, let's play a little game show, okay? We have a mystery guest All right. who's coming on air. Uh, and it's not Anna, but Anna's here. Anna's not the mystery guest. Oh, okay. Uh, we're going to give you clues, and we'll see if you can guess who the mystery guest is that is sitting here beside us at the Oregon Convention Center uh, and will be here all weekend doing meet and greets as part of Worlds of Sport. Our mystery guest, how tall is our mystery guest, Anna? Very tall. Very tall? Like Bill Walton tall? Not that tall, but very tall. Okay. I was going to guess Bill Walton, so there you go. Why don't you do this? You can ask a question, and then we give an answer, and then you have to guess who the mystery guest is. You get one question. Oh, I get one question? Yeah, who am I talking to? The mouse in my pocket? I know who the mystery guest is. Anna's sitting sitting beside the mystery guest. Beside the mystery guest. It's so sad. I played 20 questions with my wife last night. I kid you not, and I was so terrible that we did it twice, and I couldn't get it in 20. So this is right on theme for me. How did this happen? She she put you up to this, probably. I will say, um, is our mystery guest uh, affiliated with the Portland Trailblazers? No. Is our mystery guest older than you? Mm, I don't know. No. <laughs> Good answer. Mystery guest. Uh, Go ahead. Is this our, is going so well. Is our mystery guest um, involved with uh, one of the major Portland sports teams or sports teams in the state of Oregon? Uh, no. No. Are our they mystery involved in gu- sports? Our mystery, you know our mystery guests. Oh, okay. See, I told you I was bad at this. It's Uh, not your wife. It's not your kid. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, But they are involved in sports, you said? No. Just ask a question. That is a this question. Is no wonder. <laughs> you we, have to pay attention can we to get the his answer. Wife? Can we get your wife to play this uh, game and yeah. not you? Yes, you can. She's so You would be great me. on like that old password game where you give clues. <laughs> the password yeah. is. I'm actually halfway good at those games. It's kind of weird. Um, uh, are they, uh, uh, I, I got nothing, JC. What's, who's the mystery guest? Our, our mystery guest, can you, uh, why don't you just. No, let's, let's give some clues. It's a female. She's a female guest. Okay. All right. I don't like how you're holding your mic. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's female. That's female how you want to be. Guests. Yeah. I'm now holding it at the weirdest angle. Yeah. Female guest. Very tall. Oh, okay. is it Adriana? Alabama Adriana's here. I'm the cowbell. <laughs> I know Tell you. Her, what have you been doing, Adriana? We haven't seen you in forever. I've just been hanging out, living my best life. You're on Instagram. It, yeah, that's sometimes. where your that's where the best life is. <laughs> sometimes I'm in I'm on Instagram. I'm in the gym, oh. walking my dog, going to the park. Ooh, let's hear know. about the dog. You got a dog. I did. She is a handful. Uh oh. But she's really sweet. She just has a lot of energy. What kind of dog is this? Is big dog, little dog? Medium size, forty two pounds. Okay. She's a pity and border collie mix. 
is that a pit bull? Mm-hmm. You say pity because you don't want the because it, you don't want the <laughs> stigma that you have a pit yeah, bull. Okay, but <laughs> pit bulls are the nanny dogs. That's their that's their like claim to fame. They're yeah. not as aggressive as people do make you, them out to be. Do you find when you encounter people, if you say pit bull, they get nervous about it? I so don't even have to say it. People can see it on her face. Yeah. And I see the looks. We went to uh, Multnomah Falls the other day. Yeah. And basically the entire way up the waterfall, everybody would like clear out. <laughs> we need to if bring we that were, dog if we were places. Com- yeah, if we were like coming at them on the trail, if yeah. we were going towards them, they like made so much space between us. And, I, and then on the way down, though, people were really receptive to her. So I don't really know They're why. They're discriminating against her. <laughs> on their it's way. funny that you're calling her a nanny dog. I think that's a term for pit bulls that is only used by people who own pit bulls. <laughs> I mean, okay, but but truly though, like yeah. chihuahuas are seen as more aggressive yeah. than pit bulls are. What what's your dog's name? Her name is Moo. What's Moo's record in fights? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, well, she hasn't gotten any fights, yeah. but I was in the car downtown and a houseless person came up to the car and she freaked out. Yeah. So she will protect me. Yeah, she didn't like it's that. Nice. No, she did not. She's got your back. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. We should take this dog like at, when there's crowds of everywhere and you want to get to the front of the line, just walk that dog right <laughs> up there. Come on, Moo. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the name is not very intimidating, but <laughs> yeah, you can't yell. Can you yell that name at a dog park, Moo? It's, Moo. it's really hard to be mad at her because I'm like Moo, and it's like no, <laughs> Moo. No. What if <laughs> is this the name she came with, or you you gave her because she's a rescue dog, right? She's a rescue. Her name was Honey when I got her, and I was like, you can't oh, yell. so she's Honey Moo Moo. Yeah. But if, yeah, exactly. if you yell Moo and you're and she doesn't come, you're like you're going Moo Moo, right. and people think you're a cow. And it's, yeah, it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> I love <yeah>. that. <laughs> I love that. Anytime you name an animal, public service announcement, you should first yell that name. Out loud several times. Sternly. Yeah, sternly. <laughs> uh, Adriana, you will be here. Alabama Adriana will be at Worlds of Sport all weekend. All right, give it, give our people uh, an idea who haven't seen this room. When you walk in, what were your impressions here? I think the first thing I thought was there is something for everyone here. It is very diverse in what we have to offer, and you're definitely not going to be bored. Like, it's there's so many different things to get into, and to there's all these different booths and everything. It's really, really cool. I don't think it's the kind of event that you can breeze through in, like, 20 minutes. No, definitely not. Yeah, definitely I think it's going to be, you're going to be here for hours, but it's not going to feel like hours. No, yeah, it's going to go fast because we're having fun, you yeah. know, but... What will you be doing here? What is your uh, role here at Worlds of Sport? I am the stage assistant. You're the stage manager. Stage manager. manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're assistant to the general manager. <laughs> <laughs> the special assistant to the general manager. Yeah, You're the stage it. manager. Mm-hmm. Say it with authority. Stage manager. You have a pit bull. <laughs> Say it like you have a pit bull. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> so you'll be mixing it up with all of the uh, celebrities that are going to be on stage, and the mm-hmm. athletes are going to be on stage. It's going to be really cool. There's a green room here. Some of the athletes will be doing, and speakers will be doing meet and greets afterwards, so people who who come to hear the panel discussions know that you can get a picture. You can get, uh, you know, is it? do people get autographs still? Is that a thing? Or do they just get a picture? I think the younger people for sure 
go for picture first. I think there's something nostalgic in a, in a signature. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. There's so many forgeries out there. I think you you got to have the, almost have the picture to prove that they signed it. I mean, but it's more for you. Like, you know that you met them. That's yeah. their signature. You saw them do it, you yeah. know? But I, I think I would want to now, because I'm younger, I would want to put it on the gram or TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Would TikTok be an appropriate place? I don't even have a TikTok. Oh, I do. <laughs> I think I have 19 followers on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a TikTok account, find me. You could be lucky winner number 20. Um, you, so you have been working out. Mm-hmm. You've been working. You got. You've been uh, training your dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, you in a relationship now? No, I'm not. Not in a relationship. No. So uh, is this weekend an opportunity? You're going to see a bunch <laughs> of sports fans here. Is yeah. this an opportunity to meet some people? Yeah, sure. It's not what we want to sell. I mean, no. Yeah. I'm not an auction item. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not selling that, but. You know, it's not a bad place to meet other... If it other... happens, yeah. it happens. There you, you go. Know? That's a great attitude. Um, do you miss being on the show? Sometimes, yeah. I listen a lot. You do? I do. Because most of the time I'm driving around, mm. and my car is just like auto to 750. Um, so if my phone's not plugged in, you guys are the ones who come through my awesome. speakers. you got to let us know when we're at our best and when we're not. <laughs> okay. In my opinion, y'all are at your best when you're having candid moments with each other. Truly. It's gold. Yeah. Yeah. You mean when we're yelling at each other and having an argument, yeah. a spousal disagreement, well, the other and day, everyone happens to just listen in? I, oh, that? We're at our best then? We were at our best when we were talking about the time that we had an argument over a Scrabble game, and I walked. <laughs> I, I literally walked. Yeah. That's when we're at our best. Uh, she will be at Worlds of Sport. I want you to check it out. Come say hi to her at the stage. Give her a fist bump. Wave at Adriana. You can get a picture with her if that's your thing. She'll be doing a meet and greet. You know that, right? Meet and greet? Uh, yeah, let's do it. VIP meet and greet mm-hmm. at the Worlds of Sport booth, which is adjacent to the stage. It's right by the Heisman Trophy, Terry Baker's uh, Heisman Trophy from 1962. But you can see Adriana around the stage. Say hi to her. Find out what's going on with her. And uh, appreciate you stopping by. Of course. We're going to do a giveaway. Can we do that? Which caller number should get the four-pack of tickets? Caller number six. Caller number six at 503-417-7575. You're going to be a winner. You'll get a four-pack of tickets for the weekend. Caller number six. You got the BFT statewide. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, Alabama Adriana in the house. Timbers are in the house. The Thorns are in the house. Winterhawks, Blazers, Hops. The Oregon Ducks showed up today, and they did not disappoint. They brought uniforms and mannequins. I actually saw three University of Oregon administrators. They had pallets with the mannequins on it, wearing all the, 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 the mannequins had jerseys and stuff, like all their cool you know, swag. Yeah. They were all various jerseys and track outfits and football stuff and whatever. But the uh, they wheeled them in on pallets. Yeah. And then they were counting them. And I said, uh, <laughs> I walked by them and I said, oh, that's actually a body count. And uh, and they didn't, they looked at me like that wasn't funny. I thought it was funny. Are you only laughing to be polite? No, I think that's kind of funny. I said, that is a literal body count. 
<laughs> and they sent the bigwigs. They had three athletic department administrators. Wow. This was not like, you know, they didn't send the peons over here to set up the mannequins. You could tell that it was important that it was done right. Yeah. Well, you know, they got Oregon State in the house, too. So Oregon yeah. State's in the house with and virtual reality headsets that I don't know that anybody's been able, like, that many people have had the chance to put these yeah. on and see what the new research stadium is going to look like through yep. these virtual reality sets. Like, I want to see what that looks you like. You can, that, I, I, I actually did the tour. Yeah. The virtual reality tour. Yeah. The coolest part of the stadium is that you can walk on the concourse and you can see what they're calling Beaver Street. It's kind of like Bourbon Street. Oh, okay. But it's like, it's the restaurants and bars and kind of outdoor uh, eateries that oh. are going to be replacing, like, the crappy concession stands that were on that side of the stadium. It's literally going to be a concourse. <laughs> you don't mince words. Well, <laughs> it's the bald-faced truth, Anna. I actually like their concession no, stands. No, no, their concession stands are from 1950. Oh, my god. Terry Baker's Heisman Trophy is, like, five feet from me. That's 1962. Yeah. Terry Baker's Heisman Trophy thinks that the concession stands were crappy. Stop. Okay? Stop. No, they, they know that. Oh, come on. It's, this is the bald-faced truth. This isn't the uh, let's namby-pamby around the truth. Okay? <laughs> the, but anyway, you so, can... Yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's going to be like a festival kind of setting at the stadium with all those uh, venues. I think it's going to be really cool. I think you're going to see other Pac-12 universities copy it. Mm -hmm. Because what they've done is they've created kind of, uh, you know, you can get a beer. Mm -hmm. You can go get some food. Yeah. And you're walking, and it's it's almost like it's a, you're walking down like a closed street. Yeah, like Fenway Park or something. Yeah. Like the yeah. atmosphere outside. But of you're in the stadium. Yeah. And so they're calling it Beaver Street. But um, here's the question I have Oregon State's got the virtual reality. Yeah. They have the uh, Toyota pickup truck that is wrapped in a beaver, really cool beaver, uh, you know, wrap around it. It's very orange. They're giving away a bunch of, you know, stuff over there. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say crap, but I didn't, see? Good for they're, you. But I meant, like, they're giving away a bunch of stuff. Like, they're giving <laughs> away you for that? beaver stuff and stickers and, you know, research stadium and schedules and whatever. I actually had one of the uh, creatives who is involved with Worlds of Sport walked by it and went, look at Oregon State. Like, they've really stepped up their game. Yeah. And then next to them, immediately adjacent to them, is Oregon. And Oregon, it, Oregon State on brand. They brought their uniforms. They're showcasing mm -hmm. their style and their uh, uniform power. Yeah. Um, which of those two activations, and this is the beauty of an event like this, it really is competitive. Which of those activations is going to be more popular with, like, you know, people who come to Worlds of Sport? Oh, I mean, I think that answers itself. I think the Oregon State fans will love what Oregon State is bringing, and I think Oregon fans will love the uniforms, and, you know, it's kind of like they're, they're preaching to their own choir. It's interesting because uh, I really do think what's going to come out of this first event is I think, I think people really tried to go big. I think they tried to outdo each other. <laughs> they, you know, I think if you look down at the end there, uh, Metropolitan Tavern has erected football goalposts. Mm -hmm. You can kick field goals. I was watching yesterday at the end of the broadcast – a lot of the employees and staff members who were setting up here were down there trying to kick field goals and outdo each other. So I was like, that is going to be a hit. That is going to be a big deal. So Metropolitan Tavern, Mark Byram and the team at Metropolitan Tavern, nicely done. Dutch Bros 
has set up, and everybody's whispering, what is Dutch going to do? What is Dutch going to Because everybody knows Dutch Bros is going to come to play. I hear Dutch Bros may be giving away hydro flasks and doing some other mm-hmm. stuff. Cool. The Blazers set up this court, and you can dribble around it, and you can shoot baskets. And when the TV stations were here this morning at O-Dark 30, uh, KGW and KPTV were both in the building like before 6 a.m., uh, they were all about the obstacle course there of uh, Rip City Basketball Court. It's like a skills competition. You dribble through, you pass the basketball into a net, and then you shoot a basket or whatnot. Uh, I think that's going to be popular. The Timbers and Thorns are doing skills on a pitch. So if you're a Timber or a Thorn fan, that's going to be really cool to kind of see the actual players who play for the Timbers and Thorns demonstrating. The Winterhawks, they came strong. Look what the Winterhawks did. The Winterhawks create put a goalie. It's a fake goalie, Anna. It's not a real goalie. Mm-hmm. But they put some. They put a goaltender in there, and they have a net. You can hit a slap shot and try to score on the goalie who's in the goalie. <laughs> like the Winterhawks, like brought it. Plus, they have all their new uh, gear that was designed by Portland Gear. They're going to be here selling some of that stuff. Portland Gear's here as well, by the way. Uh, the Portland Diamond Project has the radar gun. Everybody over there throwing radar pitches already. I was over there warming up, mm-hmm. getting ready for it. Yeah. The sports card memorabilia dealers are all set up. I was looking down at that area. Some fantastic uh, dealers that are here. That, that area is sold out. There isn't an empty table down there. And in fact, there's not an empty space anywhere in this building. So I think it's going to be one of these things where people are competing against each other. Mm-hmm. And, and what about year two? Can we, can we talk about year two? <laughs> They're already buzzing about year two. But I, I think it's going to be really fun to see people's reaction because I know my initial reaction when I came through the door was, oh. And look at look at the Toyota activation that is going on here. Yeah, they're setting it up right now, actually. The, they put up <laughs> a basketball basket in the back of a Toyota Tacoma. You can shoot at it, and you can test your luck at pickup hoops, they're calling it. Pickup hoops. So it's almost like a Papa shot that has been set up in the back of a Toyota Tacoma. And they're going to be doing a whole bunch of giveaways, too. And you can't miss Toyota. They're right in the middle of the building with giant flags. Well, and it's like one giant tailgate because Hot Valley's here, too. So you can grab a beer and walk around and, you know, enjoy their beverages while participating in all these fun sports. It's one big tailgate with all these different teams. They put the... uh, the beer garden down there, right by the video gaming center. Yeah. So I could see mom and dad getting a Hop Valley beer and <laughs> kids over there playing Madden. Or maybe mom and dad are playing Madden. And the kid's off somewhere else. Kid's not getting a beer. Uh, but I think it's going to be really fun to see this. Uh, I can't wait to see your reaction when you get into the building. Uh, I appreciate everybody who is already bought tickets. Uh, it benefits the Bald Face Truth Foundation. So come see the BFT Foundation in the community zone. The Diane and Fred Hogue community zone is right in the center of the event. Camp Exceptional, you guys know that Camp Exceptional is the summer camp for special needs and typical kids that the BFT Foundation puts on. Camp Exceptional has set up an obstacle course for your kids. Kids 10 and under can run through it, test their time, see if they can win a prize. They can run through the obstacle course fast enough. And uh, the BFT Foundation wisely so Anna going to be doing a whole bunch of giveaways but we've got some uh, chairs set up on luxurious carpet for parents <laughs> to kind of chill it's kind of a chill zone yes it's like a parent lounge 
So moms, dads, for those of you going, hey, you know, I'm going to go to this event. Am I going to be tired? You got plenty of room to sit back and relax. And no, see, that's you know. the thing. If you've got sometimes you shy away from events like this. If you've got kids that are like under five, because you're like, oh, I don't want to have to like try to entertain the under five year old toddler wandering around. Yeah. So I've made a point of thinking of you guys with the little ones because there is stuff for those little ones to do. If you have other older ones that are coming as well, so there's places, you know, to kind of hang out and try to manage the younger ones. Coming up, we're going to talk about Father's Day weekend and gift giving for sports fans. Leave it here. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Five at five coming up top of the hour. John Strong, voice of American soccer, also in the five o'clock hour. Father's Day coming up Sunday. I'm happy. My dad's going to be at Worlds of Sport. I'll be able to celebrate Father's Day weekend with my dad. I want to apologize in advance if you are walking around the memorabilia area. Uh, my dad has uh, set up. Uh, an operation over there. He is uh, going to be here as a vendor uh, at Worlds of Sport. He collects baseball gloves. And you've heard him on this show before, but my dad collects, he buys, he sells, he donates. Uh, he gives away a lot of baseball gloves to uh, youth sports uh, entities, including a whole bunch of them in the state of Oregon. I know he, he sent several hundred gloves to elementary schools in the Salem area and Woodburn and in Portland metropolitan area. Uh, he basically takes uh, gloves that he finds uh, throughout the year that maybe kids could use, and he donates them to schools. And then he collects kind of the higher-end, nicer baseball gloves. He refinishes them, he strings them, and then he sells them. He is over there right now. I can see him across the room setting up his area, and he likes to talk. He's in his 70s. Gosh, I don't know where you got that from. He likes to chat. <laughs> Apple, He's a chatty person. far from the tree. He's a talker. <laughs> Basically, it's going to be Tony Canzano over there talking and engaging with people, talking about oh, yeah. baseball stories and all kinds of things, while uh, Kathy Canzano and sister Amy Canzano manage the transactions. <laughs> That's what's going to happen in uh, his booth. <laughs> I'm, here's my thing, okay? I apologize in advance if you come to Worlds of Sport and my dad ropes you into a conversation. <laughs> um, but if you like to talk, and or maybe you need a baseball glove. Maybe you need a, ba a softball glove. Oh, he's got oh he's got, he's got he's got jerseys. Yeah, I know. Vintage stuff. He's like, got fishing poles. Great stuff. He's selling fishing poles. Yeah. He's selling jerseys. Yeah. He's selling uh, baseball gloves. Mm -hmm. He's selling signs. Herculean effort. Traveled up here from California for this. It's going to be a core memory of his life. And the convention center is a secure place. Yeah. Okay. It's there's a lot of security around here. Yeah. They have, they have multiple security guards who are working inside the venue who are walking around. You see them like every thirty seconds. Yep. But. My dad was did not want to leave his baseball gloves in the building last night overnight. <laughs> Wise man. It, but he was like, you know, I said, aren't you going to put your gloves in there? And he's like, no, I'm going to wait for tomorrow. Yeah. I, don't, I have good stuff. Yeah. I have good stuff. I don't want to leave that overnight. I said, okay. So today he came up the loading dock with giant, like, 
hand trucks <laughs> filled with baseball gloves. And I bring this up because it's Father's Day weekend. Is your dad a collector? Memorabilia, experiences? Bring your dad to Worlds of Sport. Buy him a ticket. You know, or great place to find a gift if you're looking for a gift on Father's Day weekend. Also, uh, it's a good place to make uh, memories. And I, I sports are such a big part of our family even with our kids, Anna. But when yeah. I was growing up, my you know my family of origin, my parents, sports were it, man. I mean, th- that's what we did as a family. Yep. Cool. And I, it, what what strikes me is just how I never thought that like all of these entities would be in one place like this. They've never. It's historic. And so when you look around here, what's great is that all of these organizations are really aimed at you know getting people moving and active and i know I, I i keep saying this but it's like it's been a really weird two years right for all of us and to be able to gather together and have a community event like this and maybe find out about a new type of sport that you didn't know about before that you might want to try i mean i i think that's phenomenal because yeah. i think a lot of us need that sort of spark and it's so good for your mental health to get moving and be part of something, be yeah. part of a group, be part of a hobby sport, whatever it is, you know, connect with other people because a lot of people have been in isolation the last couple of years. I think it's a healthy event. It's yeah. a healthy place to be. And, and uh, you know, treat your dad well on Father's Day weekend. And are you going to call your dad? Yeah. He's in Taiwan. Is I know. It, is it Father's Day in Taiwan already? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> There's 16 hours ahead. Okay. So, like, tomorrow at this time. <laughs> yeah. It's almost going to be Father's Day in Taiwan. Right. Right? Right. Or will it be already? Yeah. I don't know. 16 hours? You're making me do math, and I'm I'm not great at math. Do you call your dad on Father's Day U.S. time, or do you call him on Father's Day Taiwan time? No hard and fast rules on that. But you could be calling him on Monday if you wait too long. I know. You'd be like, happy Father's Day, and he he goes, you missed it. (laughs) He's not a clock watcher like that. He's not. He's not anal retentive, uh, so I'm thankful for that. I also uh, have put out on Twitter, and I want to put it out on, on the airwaves here, uh, a, a sleeper gift this Father's Day for your dad would be a subscription to johnconzano.com as a gift. You could share that experience. I wrote about it this morning. I said, you know, my dad asked for a rock one time for Father's Day. He wanted a rock. So I went to one of those fancy rock stores, and I got him like this yeah, amethyst, uh, geode, it was purplish, it looked like it could heal you, rock. <laughs> That's what he wanted. It, no, but he asked for a rock, and I thought, oh, he wants a rock, like a fancy yeah. rock. So I got him one of those fancy rocks, right? Uh-huh. And then I gave it to him, and he said, no, I just wanted like a river rock, like a nice big rock. <laughs> That's funny. I yeah. think I saw him selling. He's got an amethyst on display over there. It looks <laughs> a little funny. like a geo. <laughs> Very funny. But you know, you gotta you gotta know your audience. <laughs> so if your dad's a big sports fan and you want to give him the gift of receiving my column every day in his inbox and in his email, you can uh, go to johnconzano.com and you can do a gift subscription. I'm just throwing that out there. Shameless plug, but you can do that. But yeah, he asked for a rock, and then I got him that fancy rock. Yeah. And and he goes, no, no, no. I wanted a river rock. Just wanted like a little boulder. <laughs> and you got to know your dad, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Yeah, but he's not easy to buy for. I'll tell you that. You know. Yeah. 
But anyway, what did you get your dad last Father Father's Day? Do you remember? Well, he again, he's in Taiwan, so it's yeah. kind of hard to gift him. Kind things, of an excuse, you know. Kind of an excuse, Anna. <laughs> he's in Taiwan, so you don't like. You can't send him something virtually. <laughs> you can't. Amazon doesn't go to Taiwan. Oh, what? you're just shaming me now. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, got to be mm. thinking about your dad. Yeah. And, you know, Judah, what are you getting your dad for Father's Day? My dad's also in Taiwan, so I don't have to get him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Judah Newby's dad's in Taiwan. <laughs> well, Ju- we learned something about Judah today. He's terrible playing 20 questions. Yeah. Well, Awful. Rough streak right now. I'll bounce if, back. If we're ever in the same place, Judah, and... Uh, He's uh, and you're going to play Pictionary. You're not on my team, okay? <laughs> All right. I think I'm just rusty. I used to be good at these things. Yeah, I'm just well, rusty. Well, we got hour number three coming up. Uh, we are going to give away in hour number three another four pack of tickets. Not now, but uh, we will. Uh, you know, a few minutes into the five o'clock hour, we may announce another giveaway. So if you are looking for a four-pack of tickets to the World of Sports event, stay tuned. you got the bald-faced truth. B-F-F-T. Here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth. Well, hour number three on this great radio show. I have been inside the Oregon Convention Center <laughs> since 6.30 this morning. <laughs> you're, you're acting might, a little screwy. I might as well stay here. <laughs> you're going to pull up a bed? No, I might crawl into that Toyota Tacoma pickup truck <laughs> and take a nap during the, sh- you know, during the evening. Our entertainment... Is watching these Toyota guys set up this net. No, they got it going. They got it locked in now. <laughs> You're going to be able to take a shot on that basket. They have a basket that basically comes up out of the trailer hitch. You're going to be able to shoot, and the ball will come back to you. Yeah. You won't have to go shag your misses. Right. The so, ball will just roll right back to you. It's like one of those uh, games that it is at an arcade, only way better. You know. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. It has like a. $40,000 pickup truck attached to it. <laughs> That's I don't know. been my entertainment. Is that what a pickup truck though. costs now? I have no these idea. These days? No. I don't know. Well, we got an hour of great radio ahead. John Strong, the voice of American soccer, will be joining us. Fox Sports broadcaster. He's also the voice of the National Dog Show. Oh, yeah. We're going to ask him about that pit bull that Adriana's got. <laughs> Is there a pit bull in the National Dog Show, or does the pit bull show up and everybody else leaves? They don't. I don't. Th- I don't know if they call it a pit bull. They call it like a bull terrier, oh, right? That's what she should call it, and then people stop crossing the street when they see her. No, she's calling so, it the nanny dog. She called it a pity. A pity, a nanny yeah. dog. Because pity, it, you know, you kind of think differently when you say pity. Has a double meaning. Uh, we're gonna play the five at five here. Anna and I are gonna give you the five biggest stories going on in sports. John Strong's going to join us. We're going to do a ticket giveaway. Stay tuned for that. I could do it at any moment. In fact, you ready, Judah? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my 
papers in order? Yes, I am okay. ready. Let's make it happen. Judah and all of the interns over there are ready. They are uh, excited for this. Let's Donnie, go. Donnie, call her. get ready. Yeah. Listen, listen, if you call in and you get put on hold, stay on hold. Yes. So if you get put on hold, stay on hold. Yes. Because what happened, I noticed in the last giveaway, is the caller number three called in, got put on hold, and caller three, after like oh. 30 seconds, hung up. Oh. You were the winner. And then someone else won instead. Brutal. So don't hose yourself. <laughs> if you call in for a giveaway and you are put on hold, it means you're in the running. You're in the conversation. So stay tuned. So let's go caller number three. At 503-417-7575, gets the four-pack of tickets to Worlds of Sport. You can go to worldsofsport.com if you want to get tickets. In the meantime, Anna and I are going to play The Five at Five. The Five at Five. Well, it's over. It's done. The Golden State Warriors are the NBA champions. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and the rest of the Warriors have walked off winners last night they beat the boston celtics in boston in the pivotal game six the warriors did not wait for a game seven as i predicted they won it in six here's the final moments worst record in the league two years ago beaten the play-in game last year to a championship draymond green a spectacular performance 12 points 12 rebounds eight assists was Bob Myers. Of course, Steph Curry with his dad. The emotions just pouring out. It might be his fourth, but it means so much. All the sacrifice, all the work. Boy, these, these Warriors are ready to celebrate. It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. The Dubs dynasty is still very much alive. Let's not try to frame this as if beaten in the play-on game, worst record in the league. They had significant injuries two years ago. Play-in game last year, they still weren't playing at full strength. But you got to give Bob Myers credit there. I'm glad that the broadcasters mentioned him. You look at the success of the Warriors, you have to talk about how well they've drafted. And not just Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. The depth on this team, largely acquired in the draft. And, you know, you got to give a franchise that has built the old-fashioned way some credit. Especially in an era where we see a bunch of super teams being put together. The Warriors are not immune from it. I mean, they had the Kevin Durant championship, but I, I think you can feel good about this one if you are old school. Anna, number two in our five at five. Go. Well, Mike Tyson's finally talking about why he beat the you-know-what out of an overbearing fan on a recent flight. This was that thing that happened back in April. He explains he was just high and irritable at the time. He told Jimmy Kimmel on the show last night that he was wrong. It should have never happened, that it was him back in his primitive child stages. I shouldn't have done that. I was just irritated, tired, high, and pissed off. Why would he say that? Well, if, if you're his attorney, are you going, Mike, Mike, Mike? See, that's just the thing. He wasn't charged with a crime. 
He was removed from the plane along with that passenger, Melvin Townsend the third. Yeah. Uh, but it's unclear if Mr. Townsend has struck a financial deal with Tyson. That guy did hire an attorney. Don't you think that yeah. the financial deal has been struck and that's why Tyson has looser lips? It's, I don't know. Uh, there's a report that's saying that Melvin Townsend III, also known as MT3, uh, has... Uh, You're making he, that up. I know. He has not decided whether he plans to pursue legal action. Oh. He has retained Matt Morgan of Morgan & Morgan. <laughs> Thank you for that detail. Well, I, I think it's MM of M&M. <laughs> So, yeah, if you're Tyson's attorney, you are uh, not happy with him no. saying all that. He doesn't need to because I think, look, we, we, we know this. If there's a civil suit, the jury has to want to give you the money. I don't think there's a jury right now of peers that would have given money to this guy who is harassing Mike Tyson. Yeah, but so then now, Mike is... Yeah, damaging now, his case. Yeah, you're hurting your yeah. case, Iron Mike. Mm -hmm. Although Mike Tyson has never been accused of being strategic. <laughs> Genteel. You know, he's a punch you in the nose, ask questions <laughs> later kind of guy. He does like pigeons. Number three in our five at five. Nice job there, Anna, by the way. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, Phil Mickelson. Let's talk about it. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open. A lot of people happy about this. I don't think this is good for Phil. I don't think this is good for golf. It's certainly not good for the U.S. Open that Phil Mickelson's out. But I think it's interesting. I, I'm seeing a guy who's struggling not just on the course but off the course right now. We, his gambling issues have been well documented. He had large gambling debts. I don't know if he, how much money he's won or lost like that. We don't have that information. But I feel like Phil Mickelson is, I don't want to say it's a cry for help because he hasn't asked for that, but I feel like Phil Mickelson is teetering right now. That's number three. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that. Anna, number Are you at four yet? Uh, I, th I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah we count so well. Uh, June 17th, do you know what an eventful day in sports history this is? Remind me. June 17th, particularly June 17th, 1994. All these things happened. O.J. Simpson's car chase happened oh, wow. that day. Arnold Palmer's final U.S. Open happened that day. The U.S. hosted its first FIFA World Cup that day. And there was Game 5 of the 94 NBA Finals, along with the New York Rangers Stanley Cup Parade. And June 17, 1994, Ken Griffey Jr.'s 30th home run of the season. Yeah, but see... Those kind of waned as I, they went I, along. Didn't I they? kind of felt like they're reaching there. Yeah, yeah. It the, felt the like last three they, felt like a reach. Yeah, they had a couple of nice <laughs> points, and then they. I should have just kept it. it. This is ESPN. I should have just kept it to the first three. You know. No, but it, you made it sound like this was this remarkable day in sports history. I was going to hear like this was the day Michael Phelps won his twenty-second record gold medal. And this was the day that, you know, Jackie Robinson debuted for the Brooklyn Dodgers. I didn't say it was remarkable. And I said this, it was eventful. Yeah. Eventful. But That's isn't different. But That's isn't, a different adjective. Isn't every day eventful? <laughs> there are events that happen daily. So it's just another day <laughs> is what you're saying. Here's Anna. All right.
Here's a- on hold on, hold on. Here's Anna, number four in our five at five. Today was just another day. Deep thoughts. My Jack Handy. I'll be here all day. Yeah, today was a day that ended in Y. Tip your servers, everyone. You know what made today special? Uh, Some stuff happened. <laughs> Remarkable. Welcome to this show. Finally tonight, uh, and I can say tonight because it's after five, NBA legend Dwayne Wade. He said he's had sleepless nights over the dangers his children face when going to school in the midst of gun violence in the United States. I gotta say, the more Dwayne Wade talks post-career, the more I like Dwayne Wade. I find him relatable. He's talking about Uvalde, Texas, May 24th, 19 children, two teachers died. We know that. We've talked about it on the show. I'm not going to stop talking about it. Dwayne Wade thought, he said, when he was going to school as a kid, school was the safest place to be. He no longer feels that school is the safest place to be. And you know what? I think that's super relatable. I think there's a lot of parents who feel the same way. I'm wrestling with it. Anna, we've talked about it. Like, there's part of me that wants to go hang out in front of the school and be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to sit here and take a shift in front of the school, and some other parents can do it as well. But I don't think that's the solution. We don't want a bunch of parents hanging out in front of the school. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I relate to Dwayne Wade, and, I, and I'm not going to stop talking about it. I think, you know, look, it's important that we don't, with this case in Uvalde, Texas, I think it's important that we don't do the same thing that we've done with every other shooting, and that is stop talking about it, forget about it, put it behind us. I, uh, I think that I've heard the parents of those kids talk. I've heard them share their stories through tears. I, I can't unhear that and unsee it, and I don't want the deaths of those children to be just another in the line of a terrible history we have in America with schools and shootings. It was on my mind today. I mean, our, our youngest graduated from kindergarten today with like a ceremony. And the second grader was watching a movie with the rest of her class. I know, I thought about it too. It was heavy on my mind today. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the kind of day they were having in Evaldi when all hell broke loose. I think we have to, uh, as a community... And I mean that. I think we have to attack this in a number of ways. We have to think about mental health and wellness. We have to think about the kinds of people who are doing, carrying out these acts, how we might intervene earlier in their upbringing. I think we have to talk about parenting. I think we have to talk about guns. I think we have to talk about the kinds of guns that inflict that kind of damage. And we have to talk about school safety and making schools safer. I think we have to do everything we can possibly do in the name of keeping kids. Like, I want kids to go to school someday and not have to worry about that. Not have to do a lockdown drill. Because we've got it under control. That's when we know we'll, that, you know, we've done, we've done good. That's the five at five. Five biggest things going on in sports.
I really, I really, I mean that. Like, I, it, it tortures me because I never, like, the worst thing that could have happened at school when I was a kid was, you know, you forget your homework or somebody gets in a fight or maybe you get in trouble or you have detention. You can live with those things. You know, we can work through those things. What we can't ever tolerate is a society where, you know, uh, a person who's obviously ill and struggling or hateful uh, obtaining uh, a weapon that can do that kind of destruction. And then the police response is pathetic in Evaldi, Texas. And, uh, you know, I think law enforcement needed to do better, but I think society needed to do better, too. And it can be simple. I mean, how many of us really know what the safety protocol is at our kids' school, you know? Ask. I, I did. I'm, I'm asking questions because I want to know. Like, I want to know what is the protocol. Can anybody just walk in at any time? Are doors propped open? You know, <laughs> the, it, it can start pretty simple and just, just a matter of engaging. We have to make it difficult for people who would want to carry out that kind of act, make it very difficult for them. And I think then, you know, we'll uh, we'll have done everything we can. But in the meantime, we have not. And it's clear that that's where we are right now. I won't stop talking about it. And I'm glad Dwayne Wade isn't either. John Strong is the voice of American soccer. He's also the voice of the dog show. I'm going to ask him, are the pit bulls allowed in the show? Could Alabama Adriana enter her pity in the national dog show? John Strong's coming up. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, I am uh, in the. Five o'clock hour. <laughs> you know that, though. You know what time it is. I always bristle when I hear radio show hosts talk about what time it is. Every, does, every, why do we need to tell people what time it is? I'm in hour three of this radio show, and I'm broadcasting today from the Oregon Convention Center. And Worlds of Sport is happening this weekend. Worldsofsport.com if you want tickets. There's a promo code I can give you. PDX22. That'll get you some discount. Kids. Uh, under four, I think, no, it's under 10. I think kids under 10 are free or heavily discounted. Go onto the website and check that out. I'm losing my marbles here. But John Strong, the voice of American soccer, is coming up. Um, we've had a really good week of radio. I got a column coming for Sunday I want you to know about. On Sunday, I'll be writing about fathers and the Pac-12 conference uh, prominent people who are in the Pac-12 conference. What I mean by that is uh, athletic directors and coaches and, uh, of course, uh, Conference Commissioner George Klyovkov. I asked all of the uh, coaches and ADs to give me a story. Give me a story about your dad. Tell me a story. Tell me uh, a story that, you know, maybe uh, is quirky or funny or different about your father. And I got tremendous responses from the Pac-12 members who reached out and said, well, let me tell you about my dad. And then they went into a story that was fantastic. But I think it really helps explain who some of these uh, personalities are. And I think it helps explain uh, kind of why they're successful. Uh, I think it's a fascinating study. 
If you are a parent, I think you should read it. If you want to be entertained and you want to learn something about Dan Lanning or you want to learn something about, uh, you know, Commissioner Klyovkov, the Pac-12 Commissioner, George Klyovkov, or you want to learn something about, um, you know, the uh, the uh, basketball coach at, uh, at Oregon or whatnot, uh, I've got it for you on Sunday at johnconzano.com. So check that out. I think it's going to be – it's really fun for me to write it and report it. I think it'll, it'll be a fun read. Uh, our next guest joining us uh, live via satellite from New York City, John Strong. He's made it, folks. The voice of American soccer on Fox Sports is also the dog guy, and he's joining us from New York. Where are you in New York? Are you in Manhattan? No, technically I'm in White Plains, so I don't know if that means I've actually made it or not. Okay, you kind of made it. I'm close. You're close, close. to making it. <laughs> yeah. Give us, give me an idea. Um. Before I get into soccer and all the important stuff, let's talk about this dog gig you got. What are you doing with the dog show? So a couple of years ago, 2019, ironically, it was immediately after being on your show. I forget what we were talking about, but I remember being on, and I popped my head into the office of one of my bosses at Fox. And she's like, uh, what do you know about dogs? I'm like, I have two lovable but poorly behaved golden retrievers. Why? And she said, "We, you know, do you want to do the Westminster Dog Show? We need someone to do sort of like the B-team show uh, is essentially what it is. And I'm like, absolutely. And it, this is the third time I've done it. It's the most fun thing ever. I, I host and call. We tape it tomorrow. It airs Sunday morning at 930 Pacific on uh, on Fox, like Channel 12 Fox. It's the Agility Championship. So it's like the obstacle course. Okay. So you get like border collies. You get little tiny dogs. You get great big Labradors running this obstacle course, and I get to do that, which is crazy fun. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning Pacific time, I'm on for three hours each day uh, on FS2. And what that is, like when you watch the evening show, when you think about the Westminster Dog Show, or you think about the movie Best in Show, which is actually very accurate. It's just, it's, they, I think the dog show people take it as a kind of mean to them, but it's very true. And when they, you know, the the Weimariner has been bred since 1879 and was part of English aristocracy. Well, earlier that day, there were like 30 Weimariners. And and so I host the show where they're sort of picking the best of each breed of dog who then goes to the show in the evening. And it's super fun, and we laugh the whole time, and it's a wonderful mental palate cleanser from just how darn serious we take sports and how darn serious it is sometimes to work in sports. And it's this wonderful just happy, joyful couple of days uh, to get to do it. So I, I love that I'm back here again. I love the attitude that you have about it. You, this is good. You bring joy to the dog world, and you're doing uh, you're doing something fun. That's great. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's great to show a little versatility to my bosses. Yeah. And uh, and like I said, it, it's a nice just little mental uh, shift from from all the other stuff. So no, it, it's great. You got a pit bull in this dog show. Uh, I, well, so I'm, I have two golden retrievers and here's the thing. The golden retriever every single year has the most entries of any breed. There are, I think 49 this year. I was looking at my notes. The golden retriever has never once won the Westminster best in show. Really? The dog show that dates to the 1870s. This is the 140 something edition of the Westminster dog show. Golden Retriever's never won it. Only three times has the Golden Retriever even been up for Best in Show, like won their group. The last was a couple of years ago. So I'm very much – that's a big thing to me. Like it's very un-American elitist. 
that the most popular dog breeds tend to be the ones that don't actually succeed in this thing. So I, I definitely make a big stink each year when the Golden Retrievers are on to my dog show analysts of like, why does the Golden not get a chance? So I'm, I'm all in for that one. Alabama Adriana popped by the show a little bit earlier. She has a pit bull. She called it a pity. Uh, she, <laughs> she said when she's hiking with the dog, other people will cross the trail. Like they don't want to get close oh, yeah. to her. Oh, sure. Do they allow a pity in this show? That's a, I don't know that a pit bull is technically in, in that. That's actually a great question. I'm about to look that up. Look that the up. Pit bulls even in it. I have a feeling it's, I mean, it's an interesting thing that, you know, cause, cause one of the things that's different, the agility, like the obstacle course, they have what they call all American dogs, which is like mixed breeds. Cause the point of the other show is these are like purebred, you know, lineage, you know, breed confirmation type things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's. A, I'm gonna look that up and double check that one. I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I gotta ask you about the World Cup. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw the World Cup and, in specifically, Seattle getting some games? Yeah, you're welcome for the tweet you pushed out a couple hours ago. I basically yeah. authored that for you in a text message yeah. yesterday. Uh, no, yeah. listen, this is it's it's a very subtle thing. I get if you're not a big soccer person, you're sort of like, oh, whatever. When the World Cup, the Men's World Cup, comes to the U.S. in four years, if people remember back to '94. Soccer didn't exist in 1994. NASL had been dead for 10 years. Soccer was not a thing in America in 1994. And that World Cup was the most successful in the history of the World Cup. Higher attendances than any before. It was a huge deal. You think about how popular soccer's become now. And honestly, our bosses at Fox, I mean, we've done 25 years now worth of World Series, Super Bowls, Daytona 500. They all say this is going to be the biggest production in the history of Fox Sports by a mile. Because you're talking about a month-long tournament spread across the entire U.S. The ratings for this will be through the roof. It's going to be an incredible thing. And so what they did yesterday was they announced what cities are going to be hosting games. And, and the, the text I sent to you, and I, I, it's a subtle thing, but I think it's really interesting, is part of Paul Allen's legacy. You know, And we remember back 20-plus years ago when there was a thought to move the Seahawks out of Seattle to Southern California. And he came in, he bought the team. You know, It was a very narrow vote. Uh, with, with you know, this public-private partnership that barely passed, allowed them to build the stadium. The story that I was told, and I, I did, couldn't find this anywhere publicly, but the story that I was told once that the original plans for the architectural design of what we now call Lumen Field, that Paul Allen himself was like, we have to change these plans. Because a lot of football state, you know, a soccer field is a lot wider. So a lot of football stadiums aren't wide enough to host a soccer field. That's a big part of why Las Vegas is not hosting games at this World Cup. SoFi Stadium in L.A. just hosted the Super Bowl. They're going to have to pay millions of dollars to basically reconstruct the bottom of the stadium to make it wide enough to hold a soccer field. And the fact that Paul Allen had the foresight 20-plus years ago when soccer was nothing in Seattle as compared to what it is now. This is way before the Sounders came to MLS and all this other stuff to say, let's make sure that we're at least in a position if the World Cup comes back or other big soccer, we can be a part. And, and I tell you what, you know, the, the global spotlight that the city of Seattle and the Pacific Northwest is going to get by hosting games at a World Cup is beyond, you know, the Seahawks could win the Super Bowl again. It would not have the same level of global attention as what this is going to be. So I, it's a really neat, just a small, subtle, added part to what I think Paul Allen's legacy is for, for sports in the Pacific Northwest. Vancouver gets some games, Seattle gets some games, SoFi Stadium in L.A. gets some games. 
Portland does not get games. Is that solely because of the size of the venue, or do we get host because Seattle and the others are getting it and you just can't do that on the West Coast? No, it is purely down to we don't have a big enough stadium here. I mean, it's, it's I think, officially 45,000 capacity is the minimum. Really, we're talking about NFL-sized stadiums. And, and as an example, Austin Stadium, big enough theoretically, but it's too narrow. You can't put a regulation soccer field. And I don't think, you know, Eugene wouldn't really fit because you're talking about big cities. But, you know, it's interesting. To, to one of your points, Washington, D.C. did not get any games. This is the first time since the 1970s that a, a country's capital city is not hosting games at a World Cup. Now, the real reason is because Washington, D.C. does not have a stadium. RFK has been condemned. FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, where the Guardians play, is a disaster, and the bid just sort of fell apart. There was a suggestion that Washington, D.C., kind of like Portland with the, the women's basketball tournament a couple years ago, did it suffer from poor optics in January 6th and all this stuff? It really was just a matter of stadium. That's largely what this stuff comes down to. Do you have a big, giant stadium? Can we make a ton of money? And are you willing to, you know, bend over backwards? I mean, Chicago's not a part because the Chicago city government was like, we're not going to give you all these tax breaks and pay you all this money to have this stuff. But a lot of cool cities got it. Kansas City, which, you know, for a long time we would not have thought of as a soccer hotbed. You know, you were in Atlanta a couple years ago at MLS Cup, 70,000 people in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They're going to be hosting games. The one interesting thing to watch is two NFL owners. Number one, Robert Kraft. There was a question whether Foxborough was going to get games. Robert Kraft basically leveraged his relationships to make that happen. The other is Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, not just that they're going to host games in Dallas at Jerry World AT&T Stadium, he's making a big play to host the final of the World Cup. And as I understand it, there's actually a lot of traction that Jerry Jones has put a lot of effort and energy into building relationships with people at FIFA that his stadium in Dallas and not SoFi in L.A. and not MetLife here in New York would host the final of the World Cup. And it is an interesting thing that some of these big-time NFL owners have, have really pivoted where they're putting their energy and attention right now and have put a lot of themselves into being a big part of what this World Cup is going to be in four years. John Strong with us, the voice of American soccer on Fox Sports, also the voice of, what do we call the dog show, the Westminster Dog Show? The Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show, yeah. That thing. <laughs> uh, Strong joining us. Uh, give me an idea. Um, when we talk World Cup, we, we start talking about, hey, it's exciting. People can go see some games here. What about our teams? Uh, what, what, do we have a dog in this fight legitimately? So I've been saying for a couple of years now, the U.S. men are going to win the World Cup in 2026 on home soil. And it sounds very hot takey. I don't actually think it is. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. Historically, host nations overperform at the World Cup. In 94, the U.S. pulled off a huge upset of Colombia. They, they, they narrowly lost to Brazil, who ended up winning the World Cup. Any, you know, Russia, who coming into the last World Cup, even the Russians did not like their team. They made it all the way to a quarterfinal. You're talking about a team right now, this U.S. team is going to be the youngest at this fall's World Cup, and not like by a couple of months. They're going to be younger than any other roster by at least a year. And you're talking about a team that's very talented, they're very young, and in four years they're all going to be in their prime. They're going to be playing on home soil. 
I think everything aligns, I really do, for the U.S. to make a run. I think if they do that, and I've heard people at Fox Sports sort of quietly speculate, could a World Cup final with the U.S. in it have more viewers than any Super Bowl? And I think that's a possibility in four years' time because of, you know, a month's worth of buildup and excitement. But I think the team that's going to the World Cup in Qatar in November is, is young. They're hungry. They're there for the first time. I think they'll have success and get out of the group. Remember, we're talking about they're going to play England on Black Friday on the Fox network. And there's a, there's a, the question is going to be, will that break the record for most watched soccer game in American history? The present record is 25 million who watched the Women's World Cup final in 2015. We could break that record Black Friday. I think this team's going to have success and get experience, but in four years from now, when they're all in their prime, that absolutely could be something special. John Strong with us, uh, the voice of American soccer. Strong, let me let me pivot a little bit. You know, I, I haven't talked to you since we saw the ruling, or I guess the decision, where the women on the world or the national team suddenly were going to get an increase in pay. What did you make of all of that? And and uh, is that now put to rest? Essentially, probably, likely, yes. The, the The crux of this largely was. There were some issues where it was silly stuff. It was like, you know, the women's players got $15 fewer per day than the men for per diem. Or like the men's team, they'd book them in first class, and the women were being booked in coach. And just stupid stuff like that where it's like, just fix that. That's just silly. The, the larger issue was the fact that FIFA on a global scale, the, basically the last place finisher at a men's World Cup gets more money from FIFA than the winning team at the Women's World Cup. And, and you are talking about large-scale, very sexist attitudes historically and presently towards women in soccer. And, and it, it's a very big-picture conversation that goes into that. But that was the point, is it's a huge disparity in the amount of money the women's players could get for winning the World Cup as compared to the men's players just for showing up and qualifying. And so that was a lot of it was agreeing to this deal where they would share this big pot of money. And what it creates is the better the men do, the better the women do, the more money all the players make. And, and the hope is that this can be a deal that actually is a trendsetter globally for women's and men's sports. Now, there's another argument to this, and there was – I forget who it was at the top of my head, but there was a Portland Thorns player just the other day had in, in the Portland Tribune an op-ed about this, which I think is a great point, where she was basically saying, why are we benchmarking our success just for equality with men? Why don't we try to actually just push that even higher? Why, why are we settling for just, just give us what the men make? And, and it's a very great point, but I think in the short term, to be able to equalize this out, um, to be able to not have these sort of ridiculous, unnecessary disparities, I think was a very good deal to be made. And it does create a fun situation where, the better the men's team does in Qatar, the more money the women stand to make, and the better the women's team does next year in Australia and New Zealand at the Women's World Cup, the more money the men make. And it creates just a fun situation where the two teams are rooting for each other because they each have sort of skin in the game, so to speak. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated by it. And I think, you know, I think, too, that, you know, I, I, I know that in our market, people are more tuned into it because of the success of the Thorns. Um, it was interesting. I had a former player from Real Salt Lake who was on the show earlier. And, yeah, this has turned into a soccer show, Strong. Yeah, you'd be proud <laughs> <Gotcha>. of it. <laughs> so so he was talking about it being scary to come to Portland and play because of the crowd. 
And I don't think, I, like, I, I think we all think of it as festive and exciting, whatever. I don't think we think of it through the prism of a visiting player coming in in this environment. Great for soccer, but still a great home field advantage in the game. Has the league recreated anything like Portland anywhere else? You know, it's an interesting point because I would argue that I've seen plenty of examples of, of the opposite, that players, particularly when you're talking about, you know, when the Timbers were in USL, when they were in the minor leagues before MLS, and the Thorns now, when there's a huge gap between you might see three times as many fans in Portland as in any other city in the league, I found plenty of examples of where it was almost a reverse home field advantage because the away team was so jacked up. They were so fired up to actually play in front of a real crowd that they sort of played better. They, they fed off that atmosphere in a more positive way. So it's an interesting thing, that notion of it was difficult as a visiting player, because I would argue that there's plenty of examples of that being the opposite. As far as the Thorns go, I think it's a fair point, and it's something that really fascinates me because you look at Seattle, right? And Seattle's this great soccer town, and they average 35,000 fans a game for the men's team. They've never really supported the women's team. The women's team up there has struggled for attendance, and they've bounced around different stadiums. They played in Tacoma for a couple of years. They're back in Seattle. We as a city in Portland have never had seemingly as much of an issue, whether it's women or men. If, if you're a Portland athlete, we go support you. Other cities, other countries seem to have a big hang-up on going and watching women play the same sport. And it's something that gives me a great amount of pride in Portland. That we've all, whether it's University of Portland, whether it's the Thorns, whether it was the Portland Power in the ABL days or the Portland Fire in WNBA, if, if you're a Portland athlete, we support you. And there are, even up the road in Seattle, all these soccer fans who go to the men's games, but they don't go to the women's games. And, and it's something, as I said, that I think is really cool and gives me a lot of pride about the city of Portland is how the Thorns are supported, what the atmosphere is like. You know, I, there was another big story the other day about this all-women's sports bar in Portland and just, yeah. just little things like that where it's really cool to live in a city that does stuff like that. And I feel like just supports the way that we should. Why, why should it matter that it's men's sports or women's sports? If it's good sports and it's our team, we should root for them, no problem. Do you think that would translate to the WNBA, that, that sort of support for women's sports in Portland? I don't know how it wouldn't. I mean, again, when, when they launched women's professional basketball in the early 90s, the Portland Power were getting great crowds at Memorial Coliseum. It's just no one else, the, the league itself sort of folded. I would absolutely, I mean, for goodness sakes, look at how we supported the Portland Lumberjacks, the indoor lacrosse team. The, the Jack Portland Attack. Forest Dragons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and again, I'm, I'm not trying because it's, it's very, very good women's basketball, but just this is a city that, is an incredible sports town in a different way than it's given credit for sometimes, that we support our team. So, no, I'm, I'm hugely behind the WNBA team. Obviously, to have someone like Sabrina Ionescu, it's great to have see her really sort of come into her own even the last couple of weeks. To have her as the face of the team I think would be the coolest thing ever, but I think it would do phenomenally well. And I think, you know, it, to me it would seem like such a no-brainer. You've got an incredible stadium. You've got an incredible fan base. If it was just a matter of needing someone to pay for it, that they've there was never a viable owner option in the last 15 years, I guess. But but to that is would be such a, an awesome thing, I think, to have, and I think it would do sensationally well. I think it would add to this notion of Portland really being a world leader in supporting women's sports. When you see with the Thorns and with UP soccer historically, to add the WABA into that, uh, I think would just be fantastic. 
John Strong, you can you can catch him. The wet. Give me the show again. The Westminster <laughs> Kennel Club West, Dog Westminster Show. Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Uh, it'll be Sunday, nine thirty in the morning. It's an early start, but it's the Agility Championship. It's on Fox Twelve. Tune in to watch. It's the most fun thing you've ever seen. If you've never seen oh, it, I've before. seen it. Oh, I've seen it. The kids love it. I mean, we just put yeah. it on. We put it on because the kids like it. You know, that's yeah, that's yeah. it. That, that's I, I don't. We, you can mute. We still get the ratings. No, no. Down. We keep that's the we, we keep the sound up. We keep the sound up. We go. We know that guy, so we do yeah, that. No, all right. It's, it's hey, fun. Happy early Father's Day, my friend. You too, my friend. Uh, you take care of yourself. It's great to hear your voice. See you, bud. John Strong, voice of American soccer, and the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Leave it here. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. All right, I got a bit of a uh, bit of a uh, dilemma here for our listeners, and maybe even for you, Judah Newby. You ready for this? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so it was a couple few weeks ago that we uh, we took a trip to uh, Yosemite. Remember that? Yes. Maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, two you, you kind of fit it in on a weekend, didn't you? Yeah, we just jammed it in yeah. real quick trip. We, we were visiting. Um, we were visiting my nephew. It was his graduation, and they they live about you know an hour and a half really from Yosemite. So uh, we were able to uh, go take a quick trip over to Yosemite, and we uh, we didn't do like detailed Yosemite, but we uh, we uh, did a little bit of Yosemite. And what we got was um, we got to see like you know El Capitan and the Valley Floor and some of the other uh, areas there in Yosemite but what we uh, what we did not get to do was go on like extensive hikes but we did see the upper falls lower falls whatever it was um, I found something in Yosemite and I am trying to get it back to its owner we were on a trail in Yosemite and I came upon a GoPro camera that was sitting on a rock and I thought oh my gosh somebody's gonna be missing this GoPro I have a GoPro that is, oh, I think it's identical to the one I found. So I recognized immediately I had bought I had bought a GoPro to shoot my stadium walk-up videos that I've been posting on Instagram. And so I recognized immediately that this, this GoPro is, you know, it's expensive. Like somebody lost a GoPro on a trail in Yosemite. So I was, I had a conflict. Do I leave it where it was? And just hope that the person, you know, comes back and retrieves it. Or do I pick it up and do I try to get it back to its rightful owner? What would you have done? I would have left it. People are about 50-50 on do you pick it up and try to find its home or do you leave it? I was conflicted because I thought it's like it's a two or three hour trip to get to that trail. And I thought, there's no way in hell that person's coming back for it. So that, if you're ruling that out, then yeah, I guess you pick it up. I picked it up because I thought, you know, I'll just take it down and I'll leave it at the nearest ranger station, put it in there lost and found. Maybe the person will come back for it. So we, we hiked down the trail, and I go to the ranger station, and it's closed. It was after 5 p.m. They're gone. 
So now I had a dilemma. Do I leave it at the ranger station, just set it like nearby and go, hey, somebody lost this? So I turned the camera on and I looked at the photos that were on it. And it looks to be like uh, a group of millennials. Okay. <laughs> you looked at it. Yeah. I looked at their photos and their videos. Okay. And it was brand new. It was just used on that trip. And it looks like they were in Key West, Florida, riding jet skis. Okay. <laughs> and so I said, gosh, what if I tweet out some of these photos and go, hey, does anybody know these people? I have your GoPro. Do you think we could crowdsource and find the owner of the GoPro by Monday? If I did, if I tweet out those photos, let's say I do it um, tomorrow. Yeah. Or let, or maybe I should wait till Monday because I want high traffic. Maybe I should wait till Monday and tweet it out Monday. But do you think we could? What's the power of social media? Do you think we could find the owner of the GoPro? Yeah, absolutely. But you need to provide context on a thread. So you you post the photos with whatever caption, and then I have your GoPro. Yeah, th thread it to make sure you they know that you're not a creeper because yeah. otherwise it comes across a little odd. But 100 percent, this will work. I have your GoPro. I found it on a trail in Yosemite. Yes. Contact yes. me. Do you think I should do it now, or do you think I should wait till Monday, or what's the harm? Yeah, uh, I I feel like it's a weekend thing, but what you're you're saying wait till Monday for more I don't traffic? Know. I don't know. Is Monday a big social media traffic day? I mean, it's all a big social media traffic day, but yeah. uh, I don't know. You're right. It, it kind of feels like a Friday news dump if you do it now. So uh, let let's hold it in the holster. But uh, maybe this weekend or maybe Monday. That's kind of what I'm good. worried about yeah. is I think if I um, if I tweet it now, it has the potential to get lost in the Friday yeah. evening, you know. I think Monday is smart for it. it in the uh, You're not competing with much. And by the way, it's a weird thing to look at someone else's photos. I feel yeah. like the people who work at the photo mat or back in the day – I, I've I've talked to people who've worked at like the Costco photo thing and they're like, dude, we have a whole binder <laughs> of photos of people's weird stuff. But they were very tame. It was just like they're having a nice time and they lost their GoPro. Yeah, that's great. All right. Leave it here. You get the BFT statewide. <laughs> Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, this is it. Worlds of Sport is happening. Next week, you're not going to hear me crowing all about it. I'll get it all out of my system this weekend. I hope that you give it a look at the Oregon Convention Center. It's There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it on planet Earth. I've been saying that. It is historic to see... So many um, cool brands from our region, the teams from our region, the athletes, the meet and greets, the, the, the collectible and memorabilia dealers, all in one place at the Oregon Convention Center. Go to worldsofsport.com if you want tickets, or I will see you at the Oregon Convention Center tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., worldsofsport.com. Have a great weekend, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there.